Good evening, ladies and gentlemen. Welcome into Hoopsville, back on the air live on this Sunday evening, February 18th, 2018. I am your host, Dave McHugh, broadcasting live from the WBCA NABC studios on this Sunday evening. It is the final week. Believe it or not, it has arrived. The final week of the regular season is upon us. There is a ton to discuss because, once again, we didn't get past a Wednesday and we didn't get past a Saturday without some fascinating results. We have conference races that ended up in ties. We ended, We have conference races that are nowhere close to ties but still have some interesting results. We have a regional ranking out Wednesday that will give us a better idea of what in the world is going on and who may be in and who may be out of the tournament. There is so much to talk about, and we want to talk to so many people that we've extended this show probably by an hour. We'll probably go about three hours here tonight. I am still recovering from a little bit of an illness. If you tuned into Thursday's podcast, I appreciate your uh, loyalty. Um, you may have heard a little bit of a different voice. My voice actually sounds pretty decent today. This is the best it's sounded in a while. Also a little bit busy with ice hockey. Uh, no to all of you worried. I will not be joining the D3Hockey.com group at any time soon, mainly because I just need my sanity. Uh, nothing against those guys. They do tremendous work. Um, so there's a lot to talk about. If you haven't noticed on the front page of d3hoops.com, the conference chat trackers are up and are running. The conference trackers, of course, provide you plenty of information that you absolutely are going to want to keep track of uh, throughout the tur tournaments. Um, I'm going to do a, a public service announcement here. Since surprisingly, we've gotten a lot of questions about this in the last, just even today. I'll just say that in 24 hours. A lot of these schedules are produced by a database system that other schools are involved with as well. It's a little bit behind the scenes, but we're a member of Presto Web Services uh, for our website at d3hoops.com. They do an amazing job. We love them. We thank them as always. So are a number of other schools. That's one of the great advantages of our, of our crossover is that we can have these things. You get to see live scores and Links populate themselves and whatnot, uh, considering we're all volunteer at d3hoops.com um, and all have other jobs of some nature or another. We can't do it ourselves. To quote Pat Coleman, we ain't D1. Um, so the kicker here is, uh, for whatever reason, hey, Facebook, if you're joining us, welcome in. Apparently you didn't like me clicking on said button. Facebook fans, welcome to the show. Usually it's the podcast that gets the last click. Apparently today it was the Facebook link. Well, we're up now for anybody who wants to watch us on Facebook. But again, back to the conference trackers. This information is populated by the schools who have the ability to, whether they're a Presto school or they log into our system and update the schedule for us. As a result, a lot of schools will put in their next game and the next following games in a conference tournament. And all of a sudden someone's like, Oh, come on. You can't have Mary Washington already there. They haven't played Frostburg yet. Yeah, we know. Go with it, okay? It's just part of the system. It's not indicating they've won, and we haven't done anything about it. I'm actually surprised. We don't normally get this many complaints. This year, we're getting a lot of complaints. So, public service announcement. Use the tracker to understand the games that are coming up. When a team loses that has, been it, that has those other games ahead of them, they'll disappear. They'll be replaced. Another one today said, well, you have the wrong home team, even though the game's all being played at a neutral site. Well, not a neutral site. It's being played at the top seeds place. Yeah, well, the other school who is a Presto school, put them in the home side and put your team in the away side. I, I, 
right above it, it tells us the seedings. It's not anything to get over worked up about. And by the way, to the one individual who did text me about a scenario about that, I'm not talking about you. <laughs> it's come up a couple times not related to you. And I'm not calling out names. So again, use the trackers. Enjoy the trackers. Just please understand that if you see some advanced games, like I just saw on Twitter, someone complaining that we have Methodist on there twice and no North Carolina Wesleyan. We're filling in the schedules where we can. Schools are filling in the schedules where they can automatically. It then kicks into our system. It is what it is. We'll do our best. So bear with us, okay, folks? Remember, we're not ESPN. Nobody here is being paid full-time to do this job. Okay, I think I'm off my soapbox now. Uh, so lots to talk about as we track everything going on. We got a conference playoffs that, that, that have had to use tiebreakers. I think I've seen more coin flips this year than I've ever seen. Now, that could be a testament to maybe some tiebreakers need to be a little bit more creative. I think there was one tiebreaker that basically goes one or two steps and then immediately jumps to the coin flip. That seems a little lame. I saw one. I think it's the CCIW that says, how did you play in your last seven games? That's kind of a, an interesting idea to it. I, I think that worth, is worth sussing out to some other conferences maybe. Like I said, especially the ones who said, hey, you know, uh, you're head-to-head. -head. Okay, you're even there, and uh, you're even there. Okay, let's just go to a coin flip. No, let's let's go a little deeper. Let's let's find a way to break this tie without using a coin flip. Though I did mention on Twitter the other night, it's far better than an old system I remember, which is at the Capital Athletic Conference, where at the beginning of the academic year, all the schools would draw a number from a hat. So let's say Catholic drew a 2, Salisbury drew a 4, and St. Mary's drew a seven. Catholic, for every single sport, would have the advantage over all their others except for whoever drew number one. So whoever drew number one had an advantage for the rest of the academic year. Two had the advantage. If it ever... Now, they had an extensive tiebreaker, but it, it could still get to that point. So instead of a coin toss, they would go to this draw, number draw. And it always went in favor of that one team for that year. Now, yes, you're talking about, well, yeah, not all the time are those schools involved. and Yeah, yeah, but more times than not, they were. So eventually the CAC, I think, ends up now in a coin flip. Um, but they also have an extensive timeout. And, and then, or tiebreaker situation. And then some, some conferences have different tiebreaker scenarios. The MIAA men have a completely different process than the women. We can debate, and I'm not going to say on air all the reasons why I think that has happened. I have a gut feeling, though, that that loophole is going to get changed. I think all conferences should have universal uh, tiebreakers for each of their sports uh, across the board, and then each sport have its own unique. That doesn't mean men's basketball has something different than women's basketball. Those two should be identical, just as men's and women's soccer should be identical, and men's and women's lacrosse should be identical, etc. But, yeah, so an interesting, we had a lot of ties. Um, and a lot of interesting um, outcomes as a result of that. Springfield won the, the new Mac hosting opportunities this season. Remember Springfield? Not, I, I don't want to say they were up for dead, but they, they, were, they were going along well, and then they hit a four-game slot where we knew were tough opponents. They lost all four, and I think all of us said, okay, maybe they're not as good as we thought they were. They've got some great talent. We've had Charlie Brock on the show. You know, they're good. They're going to be in the new Mac race, but they're not going to be the top of it. One injury to MIT, Jamard, takes the engineers off the rails, and Springfield, not Babson, not anybody else, not WPI, Springfield comes rolling through to take the top of that conference. That's outstanding. 
Hey, Chris Mitchell. Good to see you, sir, as well. Thank you for the kind words. I, I might look good, but we haven't put the makeup on. We haven't done up the hair today, and I'm still struggling, struggling with this damn sinus cold. <sighs> I appreciate the kind words, sir, nonetheless. Uh, Dana Davis. Hey, Dana. Good to see you up there in Down East. Hope the uh, Dragons are doing well. Uh, I think I saw one of the teams had won, but I haven't been able to keep up. Uh, Jay Koshin says, Dave, were you able to get to the bottom of the Loris women's scheduling issue picking up from last Sunday's show? I think you meant Luther, and we did. How about that, huh, folks? Yeah, got to the bottom of the Luther scenario. Um, at some point, whether it was, I don't think it was us, but I think at about the same time we figured it out, somebody else figured it out. Anyway, the conference is aware of what's happening. Here's what I know as of right now. It's not going to give all the answers, but it's going to give an understanding. Conference is aware of it. They were aware of it heading into the two last two regular... Uh, uh, by the way, let's recap. If anybody who's not paying attention, Luther women's basketball has too many games by the number two. Um, they hit 25 going into last week. Last Sunday, we were talking about the fact they were already at 25. They had two more to play plus the conference tournament. So they finished with 27. The conference knew that going into the last week. Decided not to screw up anything in the conference, play the games out. They will still allow Luther to stay in the conference tournament. Remember, it didn't affect the conference standings. These are non-conference games they had too, too many of. And as we've seen in the past, usually it's a one-for-one -one scenario into the next year. So that the fact that Luther went um, two over uh, this year means they will have to go two under next year. So next year, Luther will only be allowed to play 23 games. So what's really weird is this is a four-game switch in their non-conference. The theory is, I don't think this is a, a fact. I don't think we got this from anybody. I think the theory, at least we're working under, is remember Nebraska Wesleyan came to this conference last year, and you almost wonder if coaches are just kind of in an autopilot to some degree. And, oh, yeah, we got to get 10 non-conference. Oh, yeah, I got to get 10 non-conference. Oh, yeah, I got to get 10 non-conference. And not thinking about, oh, no, now I need eight. And we think that's what may have happened here. I, I think that's the theory. I don't think there's a, uh, that's the actual answer. Long story short, so they will have to, so if it was 10 non-conference, they're going to have to swing to six next year. They're going to lose two non-conference games next year. I'm not sure if that's going to affect them when it comes to postseason and SOS and all that. So I, I don't know. I'm not going to get into it. Um, but I do know that they're allowing them to participate in the IIAC conference tournament. They will lose two non-conference games next year, part of the self-report. What I do not know and was asked to me today, and I have inquired, but I don't expect to find out till at least tomorrow, is that's not something the NCAA doesn't notice. Uh, I bring that up because I contacted the NCAA regarding some forfeits of some games in conference in another area of the country, and they were coming up. Those games were coming up on the report, so they didn't look like they were being registered as forfeits. I asked why not, and the answer I basically said was basic, and if I understand it right, was basically until it's reported to us, we keep moving forward, which I get to some degree. I do worry that, and I don't think in this situation this would be the case, but I do worry, let's say, an at-large team got in because of that, and in reality there should have been a game or two not included. Again, not in this case. So I'm asking about that. Um, in this case, I've also asked... Okay, so in that case, they're waiting for the report. In this case with Luther, I think the committee and the NCAA can see that they're over. It's a pretty obvious number. We all know what they should have been at going into this week. They should have been at 25 at the most, and they're at 27. I don't know if that affects Luther's postseason in the NCAA. I have not gotten an answer to that. I can see both sides of that coin. I can see the same as 
as what we just described is the punishment will be carried out next year. And, and you almost want to say, well, that's not good enough for this year. You also wonder how, if Luther was in the conversation, and I don't think Luther will be in the conversation for net large, but if they were, how do you remedy the extra two games in results versus regionally ranked opponents, in SOS data, in win-loss percentage, and all that? So we're waiting to find out. But they, the IAC knew about it. They decided to let them finish the season so it wouldn't screw up standings and let them play in the IAC tournament. They will lose two games next year. Outside of whether they're allowed to play in the postseason this year, I do not know at this point. Did I just see an angry emoticon go across the Facebook screen? Seriously, people? Come on. Uh, Alan, Karen, hello, Dave. Hello, Alan. Justin Sweeney, it's the most wonderful time of the year. It is, sir. It is. And I'm glad I'm starting to feel a little better from this sinus cold. Checking over on the YouTube side of things to see what's going on, see if anybody's got any convos there. Daryl says, hey, Dave, you sound better today. I hope you're getting better. It's conference playoff time. You're right. Voice does sound better. I'm on some different medication. Uh, we were a little worried last week or during the week. It was the flu. Turns out it's a sinus cold, which I haven't had in a while. Anybody who knows this show well knows I get a few sinus colds. I haven't had one this year, um, but I am feeling better. So thank you for the kind words. Checking us out on Twitter. Of course, all that information screaming at the bottom of the screen. Um, Okay, let's be more specific. Okay, so some people serious still can't get over this TBA stuff. Um, they don't understand. I'm, I'm going to explain. I know they're not listening to the show. I'm going to explain it one more time on these conference things. Schools put in their schedules. Okay? If they have an account with our system, they put their schedule in. If they're a school in the same web universe as us, the company... They put their schedule in. It populates for our side of things. Thus, that school's going to say, hey, TBA on a semifinal game, TBA on a championship game, and it's going to populate on our side. It is very difficult to go try and manage all that on our end without affecting their website. Anyway, I got to get off my soapbox on that. It's ridiculous. Uh, let's see. Chris says, uh, thanks for the upset alert tweet at the half. Oh, Alan, Dice Canton. Stirring up trouble in the UAA. Um, <laughs> so lots going on. Top 25. Oh, geez. I mean, seriously, folks, here we go again with the top 25, right? <laughs> I mean, it, if, it's not, if it's not one week, it's the next. And it's exciting. I don't want anybody to get anything wrong here. It is more than exciting that any single night I can turn on a game and something new is happening. It's absolutely awesome. And we don't know what the results are going to be. But let's look at the men's side. Not as brutal a week as we have seen. I take that back. It was still brutal. Wittenberg, we knew lost. They barely got past Worcester in overtime. Otherwise, they were about to end the regular season with a three-game slide. And I think I think they may have would have lost the, the home court advantage, but they kept it. York took its fourth loss on a game I've been talking about since January, or for about four weeks at least, if not longer. They were going to be at Christopher Newport, and I said that'd be a different game. They needed to win there to be secure. They lost 81-71. The Capital Athletic Conference on the men's side now goes to CNU. So York gave up the opportunity to be at home on the men's side of things, which is huge. Um. Oh, mind-blowingly huge. Yes, there were other losses that led to that, that this game wouldn't have meant anything. But I told you this game would have a, a dictation of how York would do 
in the postseason. Middlebury lost to Wesleyan. Interestingly, how how crazy the NESCAC, the NESCAC has, what, a five-way tie for first place. They go into the conference tournament with some crazy seeding. Amherst is number one, for example. You'd expect some upsets, right? It went chalk on the opening night. Top seeds, one through four, all one. Say what? Middlebury's out now. Okay, Middlebury's out. Could they do the Wesleyan? Remember Wesleyan a couple years ago who lost in the first round and then got in the NCAA tournament, went two weeks without playing basketball? Middlebury's in that boat now at 19-6 and six after losing to Wesleyan on Saturday. Oshkosh lost again to Stevens Point, as we mentioned on, uh, I think I mentioned on Thursday's show, but they at least got passed out. But Oshkosh is in trouble. Uh, we mentioned Worcester Luton is in Wittenberg. It's only it's our fifth loss of the season, but ends a huge winning streak at the same time. John Carroll lost a capital 85-80 in a game I didn't expect. Stevens Point lost to Eau Claire. Maybe that's a, a, a loss I would have expected per the Stevens Point team I saw heading into the WIAC, but the Stevens Point team I saw at the end of the WIAC, that's not the result I expected. Lycoming lost two. I almost feel like we got to stop voting for Lyco. Uh, they lost to Lebanon Valley on Wednesday, 82-79, and then lost to Albright in overtime, 87-80. Albright, I believe, swept Lyco. Uh, Hobart lost to Union. Oh, that's a tough loss for Hobart there. And FNM lost to Swarthmore. No surprise there by two. Uh, in the receiving votes category, we mentioned St. Olaf had lost earlier in the week. Whitewater got swept this week. Whitewater 16-9. Out of the conversation. Done and dusted. New Jersey City lost twice this week. Stockton and William Patterson, they're 19 and 7. I'm not sure what New Jersey City, what is going on at New Jersey City. I think maybe they'll still make the NCAA tournament. I think their SOS numbers for a change are in pretty solid shape. I just don't think they're going to host anymore. Uh, Sol Ross State lost to Mary Harden Baylor and then beat Concordia. So rough week for Sol Ross State because I think they needed the, both those wins. Emory and Henry. We mentioned was on that five-game losing streak. They at least ended it with a win over uh, Eastern Mennonite. Uh, the other losses, Maryville lost again. Uh, just stinks for me because I think they're a damn good team, but going to have to take them off my top 25. Randolph-Macon lost to WNL. Talk about the young coaches that, that got jobs this season have done amazing jobs. Kevin Hopkins at Muhlenberg, Josh Leffler at Johns Hopkins, um, and now uh, McHugh at, at WNL. Outstanding work with those schools in their first year. And then River Falls losing the Platteville. Platteville is in control now of the WIAC, and it's pretty impressive. On the women's side, a little bit of losses. Whitman lost to Willamette, which was a little bit surprising, to be blunt. I didn't see that one coming. I know Willamette's better, but I didn't see them beating Whitman. Uh, CNU lost to York. Again, one of those scratch-your-head ones on CNU. Uh, losing to York. York's good, but CNU's supposed to be so much better. Oshkosh lost during the week to Stevens Point. We mentioned that. While Northern... Got past Marietta in, in double overtime, and they needed to to hold on to first place in the OAC. St. Benedict lost to St. Thomas. No surprise there. Really tight score. That's a really good sign for St. Benedict, to be sure. Wisconsin Lutheran lost to Benedictine. Uh, Chapman lost to CMS. Gustavus lost to St. Benedict. Lynchburg lost two this week. To Randolph-Macon and Emory and Henry. And we're going to have the Emory and Henry coach coming on. And Marietta, as we mentioned, lost as well. So an interesting week. Top 25. Reminder. Two more top 25s before um, the NCAA tournament this week included. Uh, Trying to see if we've got any other questions. Does River Falls need to win in the WIAC to get in the NCAA with Whitewater slipping? Yeah, so, uh, I would say the only two teams that I think in the WIAC on the men's side that are getting into the NCAA tournament for sure, and not even for sure, but comfortably, Platteville's done. Platteville's good. They're in. 
Stevens Point, they got a really strong SOS. I got to look at their numbers better, but they may be in. River Falls needs to win or get in. I don't think they can get in otherwise. That's off the top of my head. Um, I could be wrong. Um, Chris Mitchell says, looking at the Greenville jersey in the background, maybe a Wash U versus Greenville matchup in the first round. What do you think, D-Mac? I hope not. We have seen that matchup too many times. It'd be fun. Both teams score a ton of points, but I've seen that matchup. Can we get a different matchup? I'd like to see a different matchup. Um, let's see here. Landmark Conference preseason coaches poll shows you just how wacky the regular season is. Scranton got seven of the coaches' first place votes, and it's not even the and they're not even the tournament. Drew picked up sixth. If you see someone on the bridge between PA and New Jersey, tell Ronk not to jump. I, Ronk's fine. I saw him on on Saturday. Yeah, he may not be thrilled, but he's fine. Jay. Um, yeah, I mean the Landmark Conference. I talked to it on uh, the, the the Scranton broadcast at halftime of the men's game. It topsy turvy. It, it much more competitive than we've seen in the past, but no dominating teams. Moravian and Drew and Juniata certainly impressed a lot. I think Drew was going to be in that race anyway. But you know, Catholic almost gave Scranton the postseason, and then then finally bailed themselves out with a beautiful three pointer uh, with a couple seconds left in the game. Um, yeah, Landmark's wide open. There's only one team getting in. That's pretty much done and dusted. Um, Iris says, I can't hear you because I'm at a hibachi steakhouse, McHugh, but I'm bummed we probably lost our shot at hosting. Yeah, New Jersey City lost its shot at hosting. I put together an awesome bid. You are going to make money, and I was going to pay for you to play-by-play announcer. Sir, I would have loved it, but I don't see it happening. See it? Also, no steak for you. No, no steak for me. All right, we got to take a break because we got to get to our guests. Let me give you the list of guests that we have coming up tonight. In a few minutes, we're going to talk to Nichols men's basketball coach Tom Glynn. He'll join us to talk about the Bison in the Northeast race. Emory Henry women's basketball coach Amy Crutchfield will join us. We'll talk about the ODAC race and much, much more. Then we'll head up to New York, talk Nazareth men's basketball, and the Empire 8 made a mistake. I don't usually go back-to-back weeks with the same conference. Well, I did back-to-back shows. Anyway, we're going to talk to Nazareth men's basketball nonetheless. Wisconsin Superior women's basketball's interim coach uh, Zach Otto Fisher will join us to talk about the UMAC, the dominance there, but also the Yellow Jackets. And then we'll go uh, and talk to Rose Holman's women's basketball coach, uh, John Prevo, about the engineers and their dominance of the HCAC. Then we'll talk to Brendan Gulick. He is a John Carroll graduate. He's a play-by-play broadcaster for Baldwin-Wallace. We'll talk to him about the absolutely insane OAC race on both sides of the ledger and talk about other Great Lakes topics. And then Ryan Scott will join us for our Top 25 Double take. That is all still ahead here on Hoopsville. You heard me right. That is all still ahead here on Hoopsville. It's going to be a long show, plenty to talk about. I didn't leave a lot of room for chit-chat. We'll try and do that on Thursday for sure because I know a lot of people have questions as we head in. Uh, reminder, next Sunday, too, our special big selection show. But we got to get to break because we got to get to our guests. Uh, coming up next, Nichols men's basketball coach Tom Glenn joins us. You're watching Hoopsville presented by D3Hoops.com from the WBCA NABC Studios. More hoops will after this. I did receive a non-athletic scholarship upon entering uh, school. I got the presidential scholarship, which was huge for me. I think there's more opportunities for academic scholarships in Division Three. I did receive academic scholarships. Just being involved on campus, being a leader, all those things combined kind of get me recognized. It's a great experience for me. My name is Marcus Walker. I was All-State, won a state championship, a high school All-American, and played college and pro ball. I played because I love the game. I grind to be the best. 
I sweat because I put in work. I'm strong because I believe. When I want to bring it before game time, I come to the house that college basketball built, the CBE. No matter your skill, take it to another level. Elevate your game right here at the College Basketball Experience at Sprint Center. It's on us to stop sexual assault. In any way that we can. To get a friend home safe. To never blame the victim. It's on us. To stand up. To make our community safe for all. It's on us. It's on us to look out for each other at parties. It's on us. To be more than just a bystander. To step up and say something. It's on us, all of us. To, to stop, stop sexual assault. assault. Learn how and take the pledge at itsonus.org. We've got more schools than Division One, more fans than Division Two, and more upsets than March Madness. There's 800 programs with over 11,000 games leading to two national championships. And we've been covering it all for over a decade. From Eastern to Occidental, from Puget Sound to Piedmont, from Southwestern to the University of New England, and from Hope to Calvin. Nobody covers Division Three basketball like we do. We're D3Hoops.com at www.d3hoops.com. I'm a Division Three student athlete, and I know how powerful words can be. The term gay doesn't mean stupid, lame, or less than. So I pledge to speak up if I hear the term gay used in a derogatory way or any other homophobic terms. If you can play, you can play in Division Three. I'm a Division Three student athlete and my teammates unconditionally accepted me as part of their family. So now I pledge to do the same for others. If you can play, you can play in Division Three. And welcome back to Hoopsville, everybody, here from the WBCA NABC studios. If you've got questions for us, tweet us at D3Hoopsville and hashtag Hoopsville. Email us, hoopsville at D3Hoops.com. Join us on Facebook at Facebook.com slash Hoopsville. It's all scrolling at the bottom of your screen. All right, so one of the teams we've been wanting to talk about, talk to for a while here, but it's all about timing sometimes. You don't want to talk to them too soon, as it were. Well, one of those teams is certainly and absolutely is uh, Nichols men's basketball. They've been kind of uh, the darlings for this show for a little bit of time here because we're just, they've been playing so well and they've got such great talent. But they've also had some really interesting ups and downs this season. Well, they're in control right now of the CCC and they look like they're kind of getting their stride back. At least that's my point of view. We always like to get it from the coach's point of view. And joining us on the City of Salem Hoopsville Hotline, it's a head coach of the uh, Nichols Bison. It is Tom Glenn. Coach, thanks for taking the time, sir, as always. Thanks, uh, Dave. Thanks for having me again. I ah, appreciate it. Um, well, first and foremost, let, let's talk about the simple fact that you guys have once again completed the regular season, and we have the conference tournament ahead at 22-3, and three, which is an improvement, amazingly enough, on every season prior to this, on this incredible run that you guys have had. On top of the conference at 16-2 and two, and won that one going away by three, how's the season played out for from your point of view versus how we may have seen it? Sure. Um, yeah, it's been, uh, it's been um, some ups and downs this year. We got off to a very good start. I kind of challenged the team throughout our preseason to get off to a better start. We're playing a very challenging schedule early, and, uh, and we did. We started off, I believe, 9-1. and one. We won at Trinity. We uh, beat Indicott at home on open night at conference play when they were coming off a big win against Babson, and we beat Roger Williams when they were undefeated at the time on the road. So it got off to a great start, and then um, we did have a couple injuries to some 
key players. Deontay Bruton missed, I believe, six games. Um, who played a, had a great rookie year last year, averaged 22 games a freshman. So he um, so he kind of changed up the offense a little bit without Deontay, and uh, we took two losses, one on the road, and uh, one to Western to Western England at home, who we play again this week coming up in our conference tournament. So uh, definitely definitely some ups and downs, a lot of adversity this year due to the injuries, but um, we seem to really come together lately, and we've now won um, eight in a row. Yeah, I think the the injuries are interesting, I and mean, we all talk about Echeveda. I think I said that right. Um, Echeveria. Echeveria. I always forget that little extra syllable. Um, right. And his incredible talent, and we know right. about that. But I think what that surprised, I think, maybe many, was it wasn't his injury that he wasn't. It wasn't that lost on the team for six games that seemed to affect you guys. It's the sophomore point guard. Right, right. And, and uh, yeah, Absolutely, and and Marcus Echeverria, um, I really this year compared to his freshman year, he played off the ball, and last year he played played a lot at the point, and this year he's probably been our point guard throughout the season with Deontay um, missing some time, and now coming back from the injury, Deontay Bruton's been playing more off the ball this year, and they both handle the ball a lot, but I mean having Deontay out was a big loss for us, and. Um, we also had Jerome Cunningham out, our starting center, who had a great freshman year for us. He missed, I believe, four games and, and half another one with an injury. So um, we had our ups and downs, but the, the only positive I can say about all this is we, our freshmen, our new guys, really emerge right now. We're still we're still a young team. We start three sophomores and our first three guys off the bench are freshmen. So so the young kids have had a lot of experience now and playing some playing some big road games lately and have played very well for us. Well, the other thing I, th- I thought was interesting was when the, when the, when he came back, you guys also right. still seemed to struggle a little bit. You had a, a loss to, I think, New England in the mix there. Um, right. And you had some tighter games than I think many of you expected. Was that a little bit of the team had started to get used to playing without him? Then he comes back and you've almost kind of almost had to remake the wheel a second time around? Right, sure. I would say, um, yeah, a little bit of a... Probably two things, a little bit of that, just trying to get acclimated again with Deontay yeah. back in the lineup and also mixing Jerome back in. Because um, we did change the offense up some in, 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 our, in our different plays and sets running our offense without Deontay. And also our league is just every – this is my fourth year now in the CCC. Yeah. Every year the league just keeps getting better. I believe this year we had our, our best overall non-conference um, um, wins losses as the league as a whole. But our – I mean, the league just keeps getting better. This uh, Indicott's obviously been the NCAA tournament three years in a row, and, and Gordon's very good, and Roger Williams has, has a great program, and West Wingland has knocked us off two out of the last three years during the regular season. So there's some really good good coaches in our league and teams that are just getting better and better every year, which is probably the big part of us taking two losses in, um, in league this year. Well, it's certainly nice to see the Triple C playing a lot better. I, I'll freely admit that is that that is fun to see. Um right. On the flip side of that, though, you know, you, you also play kind of this Russian roulette some of the bigger conference play with, especially yours with, with SOS numbers and the like, and, and you, you, you know, you're in and out of conversations of whether you can host or who you're going to play in the NCAA tournament. Is, is any of that even worth a conversation with you guys, or do you already know from last year's experience what you need to get done, and this is about going and winning the AQ? Right. Yeah, we met with the team. Like, so, so we, each of what I do is when the regional rankings come out, I kind of talk to our players of kind of just, just kind of go over everything. So the rankings came out two weeks ago. We were at nine, and then 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 the, uh, week two we're actually out of the regional rankings this past week. So um, yeah, the talks with the team is just taking one game at a time. Let's just keep going one and zero, um, and 
and getting this AQ obviously um, is is I, 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 we got to get done. So yeah. Uh, Right. I understand that. Totally do. Um, and that's where it, where it sits to some degree, where you, you, you understand that you've got to get it done in front of you. But do you talk to the players of understanding that significance, that, listen, guys, we want to win the AQ because we want to win the conference championship, but we need to win the AQ if you want to have any hopes of playing the NCAA tournament. Is that conversation had? Uh, we haven't quite had that conversation yet. I, I think I was going to probably see more on where we are this week in the regional rankings. I know it's kind of been crazy sure. in our region with Amherst going on yeah, going on that run. And um, just a year ago, Indicott and our league got the at-large, um, and they weren't in the rankings the first yeah. week, and they came in 11 and 10. So I was going to kind of see where we are this year. Um, <laughs> This week, but 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 really, it's just kind of in all of ourselves. We're just trying to, really, still trying to get healthy and still trying to come together as a team. We haven't the, the 22 and three. Probably the most impressive part about it, I was telling our players, is that we haven't had our starting five together for most of the season. This past like two weeks is when we finally have had had everybody on the court together. So we're we are getting better and playing our best basketball at the right time. So well, I am very confident going into the tournament this week. I felt that's what I saw. I felt like Ryan and I were discussing it, and I remember going into last week's rankings when I was going to rank top 25. Not that that has any relevance whatsoever to what you guys are doing, but I remember looking at it going, huh. You know, it looks like they've gotten their feet under them again. They're starting to dominate. They're starting to really put up some numbers. They really seem to have figured out the defense again. It, it feels on the outside in as well that you guys have really started to catch your stride, and this feels like it's well-timed. Right. Yeah, no, it, it, it's really kind of worked out this way nicely. We've had some our, our three our three sophomores who start, um, you know, you know all, all start in two NCAA tournament games, so it's nice to have all, all them back on, on the court healthy. And, and, and really this year, Marcos Etchfree has had his best season uh, now as a junior. His, his, his leadership, he just transitioning over to point guard, he's, he, he's played great. He's, I believe he's had about seven or eight straight games where he's had, had over 20 points. Mm. He, up at Indicott, he just carried us. He had, he had 35, and, and in this late game, we just give him the ball, and he he's had delivered time and time again. So he's been he's been special as usual, and um, he kind of makes us go, which is uh, which has been nice. And uh, and now having everybody back, we're, we are hitting our stride at the right time. Yeah, I, I feel like uh, to some degree, uh, that's the scary part about this team, Coach, is that you do have guys like. Uh, Echeverria, who who are young, you again. Bruton is uh, Bruton is a sophomore. Um, right. You've got all these other guys that are underclassmen. You're still building to some degree this team. Yeah, we are. We are. I was telling like the like last year, um, uh, we were incredibly young. We started three freshmen, and and Marcus Echeverria was a, a sophomore captain. And now this year, we start three sophomores, three freshmen off the bench. Marcos, of course, the junior. We do have one senior this year, Daquan Antoine. He's had a, had a great senior season. He's averaging about 15 points a game now. He's had a, he's had a great senior season for us. So he, he'll be missed. But the, the future is bright. we got a lot of very talented young players. And I think if, if this group can just keep getting better and, and hopefully the injury bug doesn't hit us the next couple of years, yeah. we have a chance to be uh, pretty special. Sure. Um... Quick question about last year. You get in the NCAA tournament, have an incredible first-round game. Uh, I think we all remember uh, the impressiveness, as it were, uh, of getting past a Newman squad that had impressed many, many people. Of course, uh, Endicott also had a pretty impressive first-round game. You guys were playing at the, the same site. They got past uh, Salisbury in that one, and I think everyone knew that the mistake had happened and you guys were going to face off against each other. Uh, and unfortunately, uh, Endicott didn't make it much of a game. 
how much does that game still resonate with you guys? How much do you use it at this point in time in conversation to remind guys of the of either unfinished business or what the real task ahead really is? Sure. I know we learned so much. I, I mean, my staff, probably, we talk about a lot, just just what we learned from that NCAA tournament, NCAA tournament run and, 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 and taking that tough loss to Indicott to end our season. Really, it's been like a, attention to detail. We That was our third time playing Indicott. Um, in a month, I believe, and, and you know, fourth time overall last season. So they were a very good team that went to the Sweet 16, of course. But um, also the biggest takeaway from that was just the experience of the young players play, playing the envi- playing in that environment down at Newman and having that great win. But also just that that we got to be ready to play the next day. That we got to be able to turn to turn the page quickly and, and be prepared. So um, each year we're trying to play um, that, a more competitive non-conference schedule and try to build that up each season to try to try to build that to try to build that chemistry down the stretch and try to get the players to realize attention to detail, next uh, one play at a time, and really just just focus on the task at hand. We need to get you a couple NESCAC or NUMAC games into that schedule, Coach. We do, we do. Yeah, this year we played. Um, this year we played um, at uh, we played at Wesleyan, uh, mm-hmm. played Trinity. Um, next year we'll, we'll play those same two again. We are playing the Good. Springfield, uh, playing the Naismith Classic oh, next great. year. So, so I, 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 I'm not sure if we matched up with Springfield in the first round. So hopefully, uh, <laughs> so hopefully we'll have a chance to match up with them. But um, hey, you he, know Charlie, you played up for him. You you need to go have a talk with him. No, he's got us on there. He's got us on there for. Uh, he's got us. Coach has us on for uh, for next season. So we're in the holiday tournament next year, and then Eastern Nazarene is actually leaving our league. They're, yeah, they're moving right. to the NECC. So we're gonna. So we're moving from seven non-conference to nine. So, cool. so you got a little bit more room here to add to, to add some games. So so we'll probably add. Um, Add one more uh, NESCAC or or, or a new MAC team well, here for, for next season. That'll be important for Edge of Area's final season and and you guys in position. I think that's a a smart move. Hey, uh, every year we've had you on. I think this is three years in a row now, which shows you how good the Bison have been. Uh, we ask you about how a school in in Southern Massachusetts, a little <laughs> outside, a little bit outside Boston, a little bit northeast right. of Hartford, could could be named Bison. So I, I'm doing my due diligence. I've given you a few years to check on this. Have you gotten an answer yet? <laughs> Dave, you're the best. You're the best. <laughs> uh, anyway, hey, still working on. We do have oh. a couple of of our alums on campus this week. I'll make sure that's them. I. Have asked, um, <laughs> have oh asked some staff members in the past. No one's gave me an answer yet, but I'm, man, I'm still working on it. You've, uh, yeah, oh. you, get, you, you keep getting me this question, but I'm, I'm, uh, I'm working on it, and hopefully, I will have to shoot you an email once I have the answer. But I'm still, but to answer your question, I'm still working on it. All points bulletin to anybody out there. We need to find out why in the world Nichols is called the Bison. I love the logo. I have no problem with the name. We're just trying to figure out the origins. <laughs> hey, Coach, thanks so much for humoring us and, and taking the time to talk about your squad. Certainly hats off on a tremendous season. You've been in and out of my top 25 because I think you guys have some incredible talent, and I look forward to seeing what happens. I know you got to win the AQ in your mentality, and so I wish you luck. As always, we give the coach the final word. Any final thoughts you want to share with those who are tuning in? Sure. Dave, thanks again for having me on, and uh, thanks for all the work you do for uh, Division Three basketball. Well, thanks, Coach. I appreciate that. Good luck the rest of the way. I suspect we'll be talking a lot about you next week, no matter the situation. And I look forward to chatting with you and finally finding out the whole Bison story at some point in time. (laughs) All right. Thanks again. Absolutely. Take care. Tom Glenn joining us on the City of Salem Hoopsville Hotline. I appreciate him (laughs) taking that time. Hey, got a question from uh, Peyton. He says, enjoy your coverage and commitment to D3 Hoops. Well, thank you, Peyton. He says, you've been uh, noticeably down on the Emory Eagles this year of late, for sure. 
What will it take to earn your confidence? Four Sweet 16s, Elite 8s in recent years with uh, Coach Zimmerman and keep producing at the top of the UAA. Okay, let, let's let's reclassify what I am. I'm not down on Emory. I'm just not buying in to Emory. There is a difference. I still think Emory is a good, talented team. I just don't think they're as great. <laughs> the sad part is I put them ninth in my rankings last week. I, I had to fill in holes. I, I actually brought them up. Uh, two spots. But I'm not buying in that they're tremendous. I'm not buying in they've got a deep run in front of them. And by the way, all the past results mean nothing to me. And I don't mean that callously. I mean, great, you've made it to Sweet 16s and you've made it to Elite 8s, but that team isn't on the floor right now. The only people on the floor, not even on the floor, the only people involved with that are the coaching staff. And I have said that I think Coach Zimmerman is a tremendous coach and he's getting a lot out of this team. I just don't see, when you're losing to Wash U in back-to-back weekends and it's not close, I'm not, and I know Wash U's having a tremendous season, don't get me wrong, I'm not blown away. You're having tight games elsewhere that concern me. You lost to Hamden-Sydney earlier this season. Um... Did you check Hamden Sydney's season? It's not great. Um, and I can say that because I've seen worse. Um, so I'm just, I'm not buying in Emory. I think they're good. They may get a first round win, maybe even a second. Eh, I don't know. I got to see the bracket. But I'm not buying in that they're going to, there's some incredible team this year. They're good. Yes, they're competitive. They're in the top half of the UAA. I'm, I'm giving all of that. I think the same with Chicago. I think Case Western has proven that, the Case Western Reserve has proven that this year. But I'm not buying in that they're somehow much better than every everything else. Because I bought in earlier and I didn't I didn't like what I bought. All right, gonna take another break. When we come back, we'll head down to that neck of the woods. Emery and Henry, women's basketball coach uh, Crutchfield, will join us to talk about her squad, the win of the ODAC regular season, and the insane and always fun ODAC tournament ahead. A little bit different this year, by the way. You're watching Hoops Hoops, presented by D3Hoops.com from the WBCA NABC studios. More Hoops Hoops right after this. College basketball lives in Kansas City at the College Basketball Experience at Sprint Center. The College Basketball Experience is the place to get your game on. It's not a museum. It's an experience you won't forget. Discover the history of the game in the National Collegiate Basketball Hall of Fame, featuring the Gallery of Honor, Mentor's Circle, and Honor Theater. Suit up in the latest CBE logoed Nike gear at the CBE Hoop Shop. Elevate your game today and visit the house that college basketball built. For the love of the game, but for those of us who are Division III student athletes, it's more than that, a lot more. Sure, the game is important, but as we work so hard to build both mind and body, it's more about team. That is why NCAA Division III teamed up with Special Olympics. And in giving the gift of sport to those for whom it seemed an impossible dream, we are working to make this a better world. Help us keep that dream alive. You can make a difference. This is why we love sports. It's in the way they play, free from the pressures and all the money talk. Playing for simply the love of the game, where everyone has a shot at their definition of success on and off the field. This is what we love about sports and what we can still love about college sports. It starts right when you hit the court. You imagine your finest moment. 
The game-winning shot that gets you to the dance. A monster dunk or no-look pass and cutting down the net. Sports lets us dream of our own success and prepare us for our finest moments on and off the court. We've got more schools than Division One, more fans than Division Two, and more upsets than March Madness. There's 800 programs with over 11,000 games leading to two national championships. And we've been covering it all for over a decade. From Eastern to Occidental, from Puget Sound to Piedmont, from Southwestern to the University of New England, and from Hope to Calvin. Nobody covers Division Three basketball like we do. We're D3Hoops.com at www.d3hoops.com. Welcome back to Hoopsville. I am your host, Dave McHugh. If you got questions for us, tweet us, email us, Facebook us, whatever it is. You can see the information scrolling at the bottom of your screen. Uh, we're on YouTube, and we're on Facebook simulcast. Uh, Dice Canton says, Dave, can't think that Emory Men will be in the Final Four. That's all. No, I don't think that Emory Men will be in the Final Four. But then again, to be honest with you, who knows who's going to be in the Final Four? There's only two teams that I can lean towards, and I'm not even sure with the bracket if they're going to get there. Whitman, who I say is maybe, may lose, and Wash U. Who knows who they're going to run into? Uh, I think it's a wide-open t- uh, f- uh, run to Salem this year. Absolutely wide open. Similar to last year, but better. But better. By the way, I've been voting for uh, Workman in the Dark Horse Dunker contest, but the odds don't look good for Workman winning his first round match versus a D2 opponent. Yeah, we'll talk about that a little bit later, Dice Canton. Uh, uh, Garner, I see you have a CUNYAC question. If the Layman men lose the uh, tourney final on Friday, um, one, be, will they be an at-large selection? Two, will they... Uh, be on the tourney bubble. Well, if they're, they're that's the same question. I'll get back to that in a bit. Um, I will uh, Taft, wait, wait for the segment. At the end of the segment, I'll give you an idea of where I think they may sit on that. Uh, we're going to jump into women's basketball here, and if you haven't been watching the ODAC women's race, every year it has gotten better and better. Um, Lynchburg last season had a great year. Randolph Macon had a great year. Uh, they're both 12 and four in conference, 20 and five for Lynchburg, tw- 19 and five for Randolph Macon. But oh, by the way, Emory and Henry is 20 and five and won the regular season at 13 and three. Um, I don't remember where they were picked, but it certainly caught my attention. Not a bad season considering the ODAC is getting more competitive on the women's side. And joining us on the City of Salem Hoopsville Hotline is the head coach of said Wasps. It is Ann Crutchfield. Coach, thanks for taking the time, and congratulations. Thank you. I really appreciate the opportunity to talk with you today. Well, I appreciate you taking the time, as I said earlier. And, Coach, this is a, a program that is on a heck of a winning streak right here. You've, you've won nine straight since losing to Lynchburg back in mid-January. You kind of got your losses in a bunch, and I think a lot of people just kind of started stopped paying attention, for lack of a better description. Now you're in control of the conference to some degree. You don't play any of these games at home. You're going to go to the Civic Center. But you are the top seed, and it comes some perks. You've got to be pretty thrilled with how this team finished the season. Well, I couldn't be more excited about the way that our team finished the season. Uh, I think that we were uh, – it took us a little while early on to kind of find our way, and then we had to battle through some injuries there uh, midway through the season. But uh, I really feel like uh, the last – a month especially. We've played our best basketball, and hopefully we are peaking here at the right time. Well, it's certainly uh, uh, you want to peak at the right time, though the, the tournament ahead is a beast. 
Um, there's nothing less to say about it uh, than the, than the than the ODAC tournament. You're going to play on Thursday um, in the uh, quarterfinals, and then the semifinals will be for Saturday with a championship on Sunday. And if anyone's curious, men will go Friday, Saturday, Sunday. They alternate that Thursday, Friday every year. This is not for the faint of heart, Coach. You guys really have to kind of pace yourselves to some degree if, A, you want any kind of uh, energy on Sunday, and, B, if you don't want to kind of blow out your legs before the NCAA tournament even starts. You know, I think the ODAC tournament is one of those uh, events where uh, it's really up for grabs for anybody. Uh, If you look back over the last several years, uh, obviously there's always some perks to being that number one seed, but on many occasions the number one seed has been upset in the quarterfinal game the odak i think is as tight as it's ever been uh this year and so uh you certainly can't take anyone for granted at any round of this tournament so you know we uh have to look at each game as we come to it we know that quarterfinal game uh, will be be a challenge like i say uh there hasn't been an easy game on our schedule this year so you know, we're not really thinking about pacing ourselves or looking ahead to Saturday or Sunday. Right now, our focus is just on that Thursday quarterfinal matchup with either Shenandoah or Eastern Mennonite. Hey, you played Texas-Dallas this season. Uh, I think that was down at Emory, if, if memory serves. Um, right. And, you know, they're having a pretty solid season this season. Uh, you played Mary Washington, who's not having as great a season, but they're always a tough squad. Uh, they uh, 13 and 12 right now and still in the mix in the CAC. Of course, the conference, as you said, it's gotten more interesting. It's funny because I remember having a conversation with somebody of late and they're like, oh, yeah, the ODAC, usually that's a one bid league. I said, you know, that's changing. Lynchburg, Randolph Macon, yourselves and whatnot. It's almost turning into what the men have been until maybe more recently, where it's much deeper and much more competitive at top. Well, I think if you look at the rankings in the East region, uh, you know, tra- Traditionally, over the last several seasons, we've had two or three teams out of the ODAC in those rankings. Uh, UT Dallas is having an incredible year. Um, we really struggled with them early in the season. Polly Thompson just does an amazing job yeah. there. And uh, But uh, I think the ODAC, like I say, as a whole, has become a much deeper conference uh, just over the last four or five seasons. And uh, the last couple of years, we've been able to sneak that extra at-large bid in, and I think that's a reflection of the strength of our conference now. When you look at the preseason um, poll, and, and we take it for what it is, we know some of this is a little bit uh, um, you know, old school. It, it, what does it really mean? You guys were picked to finish third, Eastern Mennonite first, Lynchburg second, Randolph Macon to be fourth. Do you take any solace in the fact that you guys were able to go on and win despite what that prediction was, or does that really mean absolutely nothing? Well, like I say, you know, uh, I think uh, you know preseason polls uh, – are always based on the opinions of all the coaches, and and it's based on how you finished up last year, I think, a lot of the time, and and factors in some of the returners that you have. But uh, we we don't pay a lot of attention to where we are in the preseason poll. I I think what matters to us is where we are at this time of year. And, you know, we go into the gym every day and just work hard, and um, hopefully we can continue to move up those ranks. And we're excited about the position that we're in. Um, You know, when you – get a win over Lynchburg, who has been the powerhouse in our conference the last couple of years, uh, that's always a good day. And Abby Pysak-Smith has just really set the bar high for the rest of us in the ODAC there mm-hmm. but with the job she's done at Lynchburg. And yeah. so to be able to get that win over them, I think, uh, really shows that we're a pretty competitive team right now. 
Uh, we had the win over Randolph-Macon, who is having an incredible year with mm-hmm. one of the best coaches in college basketball, Carol Hay. So um, we feel like we're pretty competitive, and like I said, we don't take any of our ODAC opponents for granted at any time. You're also going up against Kelly Williams uh, at Randolph-Macon. Uh, I feel like she's going to help transform the ODAC to some degree because all of you are going to have to recruit players that can guard her for two more years. Absolutely. Kelly's had an incredible year. And like I say, uh, Coach LaHaye's done a great job of recruiting players that uh, that really balance her team with Kelly Williams. And, you know, she is, I think, probably one of the premier post players in Division Three right now. And her statistics certainly reflect that. But uh, it will definitely make all of us look at recruiting in a little different light. Yeah, I almost feel like it's the uh, Guilford equation when they had the two, uh, uh, Ben Strong and, and, and um, uh, how I blanked on the other guy. Uh, I should shoot myself. Uh, but on the men's side, it, it changed a little bit of how the ODEC on the men's side traded things. You're led by a junior in, ta- in Taylor Blevins at 12 points a game uh, and nearly six rebounds. Uh, Sydney McKinney, a sophomore, 10 points and 10 and a half points a game. Um, also about five and a half, six rebounds a game, plus two assists a game. Uh, and then Tessa Johnson and Peyton Williams, a, a junior and a sophomore, and then another sophomore in Kara Stratford. If no one's caught the theme I've been driving home here, Coach, you have no seniors on this squad. You've won the ODAC tournament. You, along with Lynchburg, along with Randolph-Macon, are just continuing to build on this. Well, I think that's the exciting thing for us. And is the fact that we don't have any seniors and uh you know our our players uh, really complement each other really well um you know if you look at the minutes our kids play there's no one player that's playing 35 36 minutes a game they're all playing you know 20 21 minutes a game some of them as much as 26 but i think the depth that we have has really been a key to our success this year and you know we have a very balanced scoring attack which i think sometimes makes uh, preparing for us a little more difficult. You know, we uh, certainly don't have that big, powerful post player like a Kelly Williams <laughs> or Caroline Nauman, but, you know, we're able to provide some depth off the bench. Our, our bench has done a tremendous job this year, and I think, uh, you know, we can play 10 or 11 deep and, and really not take a big step back. So I think that's been a key to our success. You've played 12 deep in half your games. Uh, Josie uh, uh, saw you playing in 14, and so in all but that, you're playing 11 deep in every game. Yeah, you're you're certainly deep and willing to play players, and they're getting significant minutes. We should point out uh, as well. What's the, what's the mentality heading into this week? How do you prepare for this gauntlet of a schedule? Well, one of the things that we tried to do in our uh, regular season schedule was really um, look at uh, having the toughest opponents that we could get. You mentioned UT Dallas and. We played Birmingham Southern, and we played Oglethorpe. Uh, all of them are having great games. Uh, Mary Washington. We really tried to look at getting the the best competition that we could be, and then we really created some stretches there where we had uh, tough turnarounds. We went one stretch where we played uh, four games in five days, with uh, three of those being on the road. Um, just trying to create the atmosphere of what tournament time would be like, trying to put those back-to-back-to-back games together with each one being against a tougher opponent. I think it just simulates what you have to do to be successful during tournament time, and hopefully that experience is going to pay off for us. Oh, it's certainly fascinating. What does it mean for you, though, as an alum of this, of this school to be able to lead this program so quickly 
to the top of the ODAC standings and, and to be in the mix of what is becoming a much more competitive and interesting conference? Well, I couldn't be more excited uh, to be back here at Emory & Henry, but, you know, the success of the program I have to really attribute to our players. Uh, we came in and, and you brought back uh, really kind of a culture of old uh, that from the teams of the past, uh, what we felt like was important. My assistant coach, Jacqueline Dickens, is an alum as well and has had head coaching experience and been a success there as well. And we really went back to our grassroots that Coach Joy Scruggs really put in place back in the 80s and 90s, and uh, and that was about service, uh, serving your teammates, serving your community, and really just being uh, first-class student athletes and first-class people. And our and the, we've been able to recruit those types of players, and they are selfless. They really care about the team. They put the team before themselves, and. And I think that's really what Emory & Henry is about. It's really in line with what the school itself is about, and our, our players have just bought wholeheartedly into that. And I, if anything, I couldn't be prouder of just what our young women have been able to accomplish. I mean, they're great students. They're just great people off the court. And I just couldn't be more excited for all the success they're enjoying in addition to basketball. And I think that's really just spilled over to the court for us. Well, congratulations. Uh, it's great to be talking about both WASP squads. I know the men went through a little bit of a, a rough stretch here, but got the win on Saturday. But it was nice to have them on earlier in the show. David Wilson's doing a nice job with the program. Nice to be chatting with you. I know both programs will be headed to Salem, which I know uh, has probably got the, the campus buzzing. No pun intended. Uh, that one just <laughs> literally slipped out. I did not mean that. Um, but thanks for taking the time to talk. It's great to chat with you. It's been too long. Uh, I appreciate you taking the time. And as, uh, But as always, we give the coach the final word. Any final thoughts you'd like to share with those who may be tuning in? You know, I just, like I say, I just could not be uh, any prouder of, of, of what our kids have accomplished and whatever happens to us this next weekend. I, I really feel like our team has been a success, and I just really am blessed to be here at Emory Henry and, and to get to do the things that I love. Well, congratulations, Coach. Take care. Enjoy the trip to the Roanoke Valley. Uh, and uh, we appreciate you taking the time. And we'll talk sometime in the near future. Sounds great. Thank awesome. you very much. Absolutely. And Crutchfield joining us on the City of Salem Hoopsville Hotline. That's where they're headed, City of Salem, for the ODAC tournament. You might remember we took Hoopsville on the road there a couple of years ago. That was fun. Can't do it every year. Uh, but <laughs> maybe we're going to have to do that to substitute for our normal Salem trip for the Final Four in men's basketball. Ah, we'll see what happens. A um, couple questions, uh, but thanks to Ann, by the way, for coming on. R tremendous there. A uh, couple questions. I got a question from Dave who asked uh, the NCAA tournament first rounds for the East, You know, when we find out information about that. Uh, a reminder that uh, we will all find that out when the uh, brackets are released a week from tomorrow. Ha-ha, <laughs> a week from tomorrow. Hope you enjoy the set. We're going to spend next week dressing it up just a little bit more. Gotten promised that some gear is headed. I'll say this now, if any of you out there, coaches, fans, whoever, have got stuff or have thought about stuff to send for our studio and want to see it maybe on the NCAA selection show, hint, hint, send it to me now. I got to get it by the end of the week or it ain't making that, that wall and thus it won't be on the selection show. I will once again be the analyst for the NCAA men's and women's basketball selection shows. Um, so please, if you want to send me something, send it ASAP. Um, so we'll find that all out coming up on Monday. Um, and then the question comes from our friend Dice. He says, um, we find out hostings when it comes bracket. Da, 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 da. It's a matter of uh, selection announcements. Get pre-recorded or on-demand release for a specific time. 
or will the selection announcements be live streamed? Um, all right, so a little behind the scene knowledge. We um, live, we always pre-record those. Uh, it's just a matter of what they do after that. Basically, that way, if there's any mistakes, we can we can fix those mistakes, and those those mistakes don't happen live. Uh, this year, they went to a new process in the fall where those um, brackets were basically on demand and not live streamed. I don't know if they. I know they took some heat for that. Um, I know that that was not very well received. Um, I don't have an answer for you as to what the plan is this year because I don't know. I haven't asked, but I'll ask. I'll we'll see what I get for an answer. Um, I know a lot of people didn't like the fact that they were on demand. You could fast forward and not enjoy them like a regular show. My suggestion is if they are that way, don't fast forward. Enjoy it like a regular show. All right, so Taft asked me, talking Cuniac, Dave, if Lehman men lose the attorney uh, final on Friday, will they be an at-large selection or will they be a tournament bubble? I'm going to quickly call up their information, but my gut tells me right off the top of my head they are – Probably not going to make the the uh, rank uh, the the tournament. Um, I don't want to definitely say that without doing one quick thing. So they're sitting in sixth. Listen, they're behind New Jersey City, behind Cabrini, behind Ramapo, New Jersey's uh, uh, TCNJ and Gwynedd Mercy right now. That may change slightly. Their SOS numbers for Lehman is a 452. And they're one and one versus regionally ranked opponents. I'll be blunt, Taft. If you're still listening, I'll be blunt. They're not making the tournament unless, unless they win the CUNYAC. Plain and simple. I hate to I hate to be blunt, but the 452 SOS, that's not going to get up above 500 between now and Selection Sunday, I don't believe. Layman's not making the tournament unless they get into the tournament. Plain and simple. They got to do it themselves. Um, they can't get in as an at-large. There's no chance. Um, all right, going to take another break. When we come back, Nazareth Men's Basketball joins us. They'll talk about the Empire 8, which we somehow booked on back-to-back -back shows, which anybody who knows this show knows that's a no-no. But they saw, somehow we did it. Nazareth will join us to talk about their season and the Empire 8. Still ahead, Wisconsin Superior, Rose Holman Women's Basketball Programs. Plus, we'll get an o, a Great Lakes OAC and CAC update, and we'll talk Top 25. You'll listen to Hoopsville, presented by D3Hoops.com from the WBCA and ABC Studios. More Hoopsville after this. I'm a Division III student-athlete, and I know how powerful words can be. The term gay doesn't mean stupid, lame, or less than. So I pledge to speak up if I hear the term gay used in a derogatory way or any other homophobic terms. If you can play, you can play in Division III. I'm a Division III student-athlete, and my teammates unconditionally accepted me as part of their family. So now I pledge to do the same for others. If you can play, you can play in Division III. I used to never really talk, ever. Uh, I was afraid if I said something wrong, everyone would laugh at me. But then I started to play golf with Special Olympics. It helped me to find my voice. And now everyone else is speechless. We've got more schools than Division One, more fans than Division Two, and more upsets than March Madness. There's 800 programs with over 11,000 games leading to two national championships. And we've been covering it all for over a decade. From Eastern to Occidental, from Puget Sound to Piedmont, from Southwestern to the University of New England, and from Hope to Calvin. Nobody covers Division Three basketball like we do. We're D3Hoops.com at www.d3hoops.com. 
allows you to give yourself to other things. Having that free time allows me to pursue the things that I want to pursue. Division III athletics affords students the opportunity to, you know, engage in the other interests in their campus and in their lives outside of that sport. It allows you to just be able to do everything you want to do. I wouldn't change it for the world. Great moments are born from great opportunity. That's what you have here tonight. That's what you've earned here tonight. This is your time. Now go out there and take it. And welcome back to Hoopsville, everybody. Hope you're enjoying the show. If you've got questions for us, tweet us at D3Hoopsville and hashtag Hoopsville. Email us, Hoopsville at D3Hoops.com. Join us on Facebook, Facebook.com slash Hoopsville, where it's actually kind of been rowdy today. Very nice. Checking over on YouTube, a little quieter there, but we know you are all tuning into the show nonetheless. Um, lots to talk about. We're going to keep things moving. Going to jump back into men's basketball, move back into the uh, Empire 8 accidentally, if you remember Tune in to Thursday's show. We talked on the women's side of the Empire 8, and if you know this show, we normally then stay away from the conference for a little bit of time to talk to other conferences. Well, I wasn't paying attention with the absolutely crazy week that I had had, and I really had been intrigued by the fact that Nazareth was not going away. Uh, outstanding season for this Eagles squad, and certainly playing very good basketball. It got me intrigued enough that I had to find the right time to get them on the show. Well, this feels like a good time to talk about them, don't you think? So joining us on the City of Salem Hoopsville Hotline is the head coach for the aforementioned Nazareth squad, Golden Eagles flying high. Coach Kevin Broderick, thanks for taking the time, sir. How are you? Good. Good, Dave. Thanks for having me. Absolutely. Um, all right. So, one, we haven't had you on in a while. Uh, the You guys had gone through a little bit of an off-Nazareth-type uh, couple of years. I wouldn't say horrible, but not necessarily in the conversation like you normally have been but this year 18 and 7 13 and 3 in the conference took advantage of a kind of oddly up and down season for the conference and a St. John Fisher team that obviously was kind of being retooled to take the conference by a game you got to be pretty thrilled with how this one all turned out for you guys yeah we are and it was a very competitive um you know conference all year a very good conference you know you mentioned Fisher, who was our fifth place team, and you know they beat Booster by 33 points, and mm -hmm. I think that speaks to the the quality of our conference. Um, and you know a lot of it, it, it obviously went right down to the last possession, the last day, and uh, uh, it was a hard fought uh, league the the whole the whole season. So we we're really happy to uh, to be able to finish the league and the season in first. Yeah, it was fascinating. By the way, I said Eagles earlier for whatever reason. I love your your yeah. your logo. I keep forgetting it's Flyers. It's Flyers. That's right. Um, the the conference has been interesting because you know with them and the Liberty and everybody, there's been been a lot of constant flow in the last couple of years of adding and, and subtracting of teams and 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 trying to maintain a schedule and, and be competitive in an East region that some have said may be a little bit down because the talent pool maybe is getting saturated to some degree. How hard has it been to stay at the top of the conference or in the conversation the last few years compared to maybe when you were 
earlier on during the heydays of, of Nazareth's uh, history? Well, you know, it's it's been a very competitive conference um, mm-hmm. every every of my nine years here, and before that, I was in the SUNYAC for thirteen years, right. and uh, that's that's a terrific conference too. But the Empire Eight is, you know, again this year was was typical, very uh, quality teams, and uh, really difficult to uh, uh, to win the conference. And, and I think we had four teams um, that are continuing to play in the conference tournament next week that are all really good teams. So uh, this, this year was no easier than any other. Yeah, it, it's – well, again, St. John Fisher the last couple of years certainly has uh, been the, the kind of the bread and butter, but even Alfred having right. a good season this year. Right. Utica came back into the conversation. How much right. pressure does that put on the conference season ahead? You just finished with Alfred – um, you got the tournament ahead. You beat them on the road by two points. You now will f- host them in the tournament coming up on Friday. How hard is it to to now make sure you get the job done with how competitive this conference has become? Yeah, well, we beat them earlier in the season at our place, but uh, last Tuesday they they beat us by two at at at, uh, um, at their gym, and uh, you know they're a quality team and. Uh, have, you know, have 18 wins this year. I've had a terrific year, and uh, so uh, it'll be a tough, tough game on uh, Friday night. And uh, you know, the other side, Utica and Stevens, both both really good teams who just played each other uh, in an overtime game Saturday. So, uh, you know, really well balanced league. And uh, uh, again, uh, to, we got our hands full with Alfred. We know that. When you look at the fact you guys are regionally ranked sixth uh, in an interesting region, as we said, not sure how many selections might come out. What does that tell you? You, I think you've served some time on committees, if memory serves. Uh, could be on this one right now. Mike Hold's been doing numbers to me recently. Um, right. What does that tell you? Do you need to go out and win this conference? Is that the message? I mean, I know you want to win the conference, period, but it feels right. like maybe you don't have a lot of room, wiggle room to, to play with. Yeah, and I, and I am a representative on the that's right yep. on the um, east region this year, and uh, as usual, it's it's very uh, the teams that are ranked are are very close together. It, yeah. it changes week by week because uh, you know the the quality of of so many teams means there's not as many dominant teams. So we certainly approach this weekend like uh, if we want to play in the NCAA tournament, we have to win. Uh, the Empire A tournament. That's plain and simple how we look at sure. it. Makes sense to me. Uh, I think a lot of us would, would agree. Um, but yeah. it's also a good mentality to have. You have a young squad for the most part. Uh, Styler Steglin, a senior. Uh, Mitch Keniston, a, a senior as well. But the rest of the squad is pretty young. Is going to come back. Um, did Steng, uh, Stengling, I can't say his name right. I hope I'm saying it right. Steglin? Tyler Stegline. Yeah, Stegline. Um, yeah. Nearly 20 points a game. And then you have uh, Bergio at nearly nine right. rebounds a game and 15.5 points a game, and Cody Green at uh, at 13.5 points a game. So you've got that one senior who's leading the way, but you've got a, a really good core group to this. Is this a, a, a stepping stone type of season that you, you hope you can build and continue from? It is. And, you know, we don't have one player on our roster, including Tyler uh, that doesn't have a year of eligibility left. You know, Tyler, who oh. uh, was first-team all-conference last year and, uh, you know, an all-conference player the year before, uh, you know, he suffered a brutal injury, you know, broken leg his senior oh, year in yeah. high school. He missed his 
he missed his high school senior season. He missed his freshman year here. So, and he's a in our doctorate program in physical therapy. Wow. So he's not going anywhere. Oh. He'll be here. <laughs> He'll be with us next year. You sound and, uh, thrilled. So uh, yeah, there's, <laughs> yeah. There's there's no uh, there's no discussion. He'll be here, and uh, 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 so we don't have any player. And Mitch Mitch Keniston, a senior too, is the same thing. He's a physical therapy major who has a year of eligibility. So we do not have one player wow. uh, on our roster who's out of eligibility. And it's been a great group uh, led by Tyler. That uh, you know, very uh, serious. Uh, very business-like team, you know, pleasure-to-coach team. And, and Tyler, uh, we really think he's had a season, you know, worthy of, you know, being an All-American and uh, one of the best players in the country because even with the 20 points a game and everything he does, he is head and shoulders our best defensive player and, and certainly one of the best defensive players in our league. So all those great offensive numbers, he does it just as much at the other end for us. That's uh, some impressive that he's coming back next year, and that is what's mm-hmm. now it's even scarier what you guys have put together <laughs> there uh, and what you yeah. potentially do. But how do you now, though, make them understand the task at hand is today? The task at hand is getting this done. We don't, you know, we want to do this today because next year is not guaranteed. Yeah, we we don't talk about next year, and um, you know, it's certainly in coaching, and uh, you never know what can happen uh, uh, as far as. Uh, you know, how your team plays in, in the future. So every ounce of our energy is on uh, this coming weekend, and uh, our guys know that. We did just finish, and you know, we played 15 conference games in 31 days, which ended uh, on February 14th. And uh, so since that, so this is, we have sort of 10 days off to, to retool and, uh, uh, you know, get ready for, for this weekend. But, uh uh, we're hoping that, uh, like championship teams do, we can, you know, keep getting better. Not just, not just rest. Not just get a little healthier. You know, get better every day. So, uh, you know, we know we have to play uh, our best to win the tournament, and uh, you know that's what we're putting every ounce of energy we have into doing that. And we don't worry one second about next year right now. Um, I'm a little worried about one thing. I look at the uh, coaching staff, and I notice you have five student assistants listed. We do. Uh, two of them happen to have names that look somewhat somewhat <laughs> familiar. I believe that's a Connor Broderick and a right. Patrick Broderick. I believe is, they may be relatives. I don't know if you know anything about them. Also, there's another one here named the Derek Cahill. We used to have right. a Cahill who, who loved to bug us on this program, but he's disappeared of late. Um are you sure you know what your your coaching staff's made up of, Coach? <laughs> yeah, that uh, uh, that is the Derek Hayes. Yes, who I was know. So, guess not too long ago. Yeah, my son Patrick, my nephew Connor, and uh, um, they all make their their contribution to our program, and uh, uh, and I love to check in on D three hoops on a daily basis too <laughs> to help them uh, do their jobs with us. You didn't happen to put a, a a restriction on those guys, did you? I haven't heard from Derek in a while. He's been very good. He does. He this is he's a freshman in Nazareth and a student assistant, so uh, he could do whatever he wanted before he was here. As far as bugging <laughs> now, he represents Nazareth, so yeah. we've uh, we've we've uh, gave him a clear cut set of uh, of 
parameters, so I'm glad uh, he's not bothering you. He's not supposed he's, to be. He's never bothered us. He's never <laughs> bothered us. I did. I just do miss the emails and quit, keeps me on my toes. He always asks right. very intelligent questions. Uh, he knows what he's talking about, but I did have a feeling that went, and I knew this is where he was headed. I knew yeah. eventually he'd enter that realm. I know he wants to get into coaching. I knew eventually someone was going to yeah. be like, okay, so listen. <laughs> We're going to need to slow you slow you down a little bit. Uh, Coach, yeah, thanks. Been a, Go ahead. He's been a great uh, addition to us. He loves, loves basketball, loves Division three basketball, and uh, he helps us every day. He probably doesn't get to talk to all his favorite coaches around the region as much anymore. They're worried they're probably going to – he's probably going to give you too much help. That's true. That's true. <laughs> <laughs> well, Coach, thanks for taking the time to join us. Really appreciate it. Fascinating to see how the Golden Flyers are doing. Um, right. And tremendous race in the Empire 8. Look forward to seeing how it, it, it progresses. Hopefully we're talking about you here tomorrow or next Sunday and next Monday as well. Um, as right. always, we give the coach the final word. Any final thoughts you want to share with those who may be tuning in? Well, th- you know, again, Dave, thanks for uh, all you do for Division Three basketball. I've, I've told you this before that uh, as a coach, we uh, I know that uh, you, know, you make our jobs easier. And uh, when I first started coaching, and there was no such thing as D three hoops, and how much harder we had to work to to get scores or find out about out of region teams, and uh, so uh, you know, you really truly make our uh, our jobs easier, and we appreciate that and. And, uh, you know, the interest you create for Division Three, everybody appreciates that. And I'm going to send you some gear. I heard your plug before about uh, getting some gear. So uh, we have some uh, uh, NAS jerseys. We're going to get you some gear to, to display for the selection show, all right? That sounds good. I appreciate right. it. Uh, I, if right. you need to, hold on. I'll, I'll get you info, but that's very nice of you. Okay. Um, all right. Thanks for coming on, show, uh, on the okay. show, Coach. I appreciate it. Take care all of yourself. Right. We'll talk to you soon. Okay, thanks, Dave. Absolutely. He is the head coach of Nazareth, Kevin Broderick, joining us on the City of Salem Hoopsville Hotline. Oh, that's nice of him. Um, We're going to take a break. When we come back, we will uh, jump back into some women's basketball, talk to Wisconsin Superior's interim head coach, Zach Otto Fisher. He'll join us to talk about, once again, the Yellow Jackets continuing to dominate whenever they take the court. You listen to Hoopsville, presented by D3Hoops.com from the WBCA and ABC Studios. More Hoopsville after this. Great moments are born from great opportunity. That's what you have here tonight. That's what you've earned here tonight. This is your time. Now go out there and take it. My name is Marcus Walker. I was all state won a state championship, a high school All-American, and played college and pro ball. I played because I love the game. I grind to be the best. I sweat because I put in work. I'm strong because I believe. When I want to bring it before game time, I come to the house that college basketball built, the CBE. No matter your skill, take it to another level. Elevate your game right here at the College Basketball Experience at Sprint Center. Something I discovered in myself is that if I have a goal, I can accomplish it. It's a well-rounded experience. At a Division III school, you're primarily a student-athlete, so the school is really shaped around you developing yourself as a complete individual. It helps a lot that you have a family with your team that can guide you.
I used to never really talk, ever.、Uh, I was afraid if I said something wrong, everyone would laugh at me. But then I started to play golf with Special Olympics. It helped me to find my voice. And now everyone else is speechless. Welcome back to Hoopsville, everybody. Hope you're enjoying the show. If you got any questions for us, tweet us at D3Hoops or hashtag Hoopsville. Email us at hoopsville at d3hoops.com or join us on Facebook, facebook.com slash hoopsville. I'm hoping we didn't just lose our audio. Nope, we didn't. Good.、Uh, I heard a little pop there before we came back from break. Gave me a little bit of a scare.、Um, so, still, we're talking Division III basketball. Lots to talk about. We're getting ready for conference races. Certainly a lot to talk about in regards to conference races and whatnot. And one of the ones, for some reason, we hadn't gotten to was the UMAC women's race, mainly because, as status quo, Superior seemed to be once again dominating. But if you didn't catch the news before the season, Superior isn't under the same head coach. He left to take over St. Catherine. They're under an interim head coach, Zach Otto Fisher. Now, he may be pretty happy he took over a program that was so successful with a lot of talent, but you still need to work with that talent and get it to work under a new coach. No matter、uh, how hard you try, it's not always guaranteed. Well, as always, I wanted to find out more about it. So, joining us on the City of Salem Skype Hoopsville Hotline, it's the head coach, interim of the Yellow Jackets. It is Zach Otto Fisher. Coach, thanks for taking the time, sir. Thanks for having me on tonight, Dave. I appreciate it.、Uh, via Skype as well. That's always a little bonus for us. Yeah.、Um, so, first and foremost, former coach says, Thank you very much. I'd like to go do something different and decides to go to、um, St. Catherine, as we mentioned. Yep. Did that decision、um, catch you by surprise? Did you guys know that was coming? And, and did you think,、uh, and by the way, I probably should mention it was Don Mulhern. Did you think、yeah. that was end up being your job then as a result?、Uh, no, truthfully, it kind of caught everybody on campus、um, off guard a little bit. I mean, I know I've known Don for years, and I know he's always wanted to get closer to home. His family's from southern Minnesota. And truthfully, this happened all in about a week time period where.、Mm-hmm. He knew that he was going to be getting you know, an interview down there.、Um, he got offered the job and then talked with our AD and tried to figure out what was going to be the best situation for our girls at, on campus and what would be a seamless transition. And luckily, I was in the right spot at the right time. Yeah, that is a right spot at the right time. You're right. Yeah.、Um, I'm trying to remember how much time was that before the season started? I want to say it was about a month, month and a half. Yeah, it was.、Um, Yeah, beginning of September. School had started about a weekend.、That's、so,、right. yeah, I think it was exactly about four weeks before season started. That's right.、Um, but again, you don't seem, don't seem to have missed a beat.、Uh, the team still is c- clicking along 21 and 4, 16 and 0 in the UMAC. Nothing against the UMAC. It's not as difficult as the WIAC, which you guys have now been out of. This is the fourth season in the UMAC. But how's, it, how's the season been from your point of view? Um, we'll talk about the specifics of losses in a bit, but how has it come from your point of view of overall? You know, exactly what you said.、Um, it's, it's been a challenge、uh, at times because they have been so successful under Coach Mulhern. And so, you know, anytime you try to tweak things or make changes,、um, not saying it was difficult, but it was just like, you know, I make sure that they believe and trust that we're going in the right direction.、Um, you know, this is our third year in the conference. And, you know, just last night we wrapped up. Uh, going undefeated for three straight s e a s o n which is something that the girls are very proud of. But 
something that they also know is not the end goal for us. Well, yeah, the end goal is a lot bigger, and we'll talk about that. But you also have an interesting, challenging schedule. Uh, you took on Eau Claire earlier in the season, and they thumped you pretty good. And I have a feeling that was second game of the season. There may have been some uh, yep. growing pains behind that one. Then St. Benedict got you, and we now know St. Benedict's having an outstanding season. They beat you by three. And then back-to-back -back yep. losses uh, at Wartburg. Of course, to Wartburg, no shame in that. They're still undefeated. No. And then Gustavus Adolphus, who's also having a tremendous season in the Mayak tripped you up yep. so if you look at it the four losses aren't that bad you actually are you know they're they're really good barometers to, to understand where you guys are as a program they are and you know and every program wants to have those challenges if you want to you know be the best you have to play the best and you know i i know the two losses down at the warper tournament over christmas may to some programs be like oh those are two l's in the in the column but for us you know, we, we came out and we were up 20-10 in the first, you know, bit of the game and then, you know, still down three or four at the end of the third quarter. And for us, we need games like that. Um, Coach Bob, he does a great job down there. And to have that challenge was, you know, just great for our program. And like I said, St. Ben's, you know, that's a, a battle. It was, you know, two-point game the whole entire game. They'd go up, we'd go up and, you know, you know, uh, Coach, I'm mind-blanking right now. Um, down there, Durbin, Coach Durbin does mm -hmm. a great job and. Oh, he just kind of, I kind of say, showed me why he's been in it for 25 plus seasons and why, you know, this is my first season down there. But um, all, all in all, it just helps our program and helps our team to be stronger, hopefully coming up next week. Yeah, yeah. I mean, there's a reason programs are what they are, right? Correct? You know, yeah. they, they prove themselves in, in many ways and no, there shouldn't be a, a surprise to that to some extent. Um, no. When you look at what you now have ahead of you, You've got the conference tournament. You're try as you said, the goal wasn't to finish undefeated. The goal was something more. Yeah. How it doesn't sound like you need to remind the team of that fact, but how no. do you approach what you have ahead this week? You know, uh, I think it all starts from the first time that I got to meet with the team. You know, we gave a couple of days with the news of Coach Mohorn leaving and then I met with them. And, and our, our theme all year is success is not a goal, it's a byproduct. And we talked about, all right, if we want to get to the national tournament, we want to win those games, then in order to do that, the byproduct would be going undefeated in conference, winning the conference tournament. And we, we take every game, one game at a time, uh, whether it's, you know, top top of the program or the bottom, we, we scout, we recruit, we do or not recruit, we scout, um, and we do everything, every game the same. So every day we go and we watch our film. We go on the, the court and we go through our practice plan and, and we keep everything consistent and take it game by game. And, and that's hopefully going to lead into this week of, we talked, we have two practices and then a game. And then if we're lucky, we get two more practices and a game. And then after that, we get four practices. And that's just been the mentality all, all year with the girls. And they do a great job of just preparing for the next game ahead of them. When you look at regional rankings and the like, I realize some of this is probably out of your control and, and not what much you guys you know consider. I know the UMAC does what it does to, to your SOS. Uh, that's the yep. disadvantage for leaving the WIAC uh, too much to the degree. You do go into the West, but you're stuck behind Wartburg and St. Thomas and St. Benedict and George Fox and Whitman and Bethel. You're not even ranked. And you know the yep. job ahead of you and what you guys need to do if you want to be dancing in the tournament. It, do you fear a letdown? Do you even talk about the fact that you know, there's only one way in here. Um, no, we don't. And I, I think um, I think that's the way you should handle it is the girls, you know, they got to go into it and just say, hey, it's another game. Um, you know, when it's parents night, it's senior night, first game of the year, last game of the year, it doesn't matter. You have to go in the mentality and, and know that you've got to put out your best effort that night. Um, we don't look at it that way because 
you know, we have, we kind of have another mentality of refuse to lose. And I, we have such a strong senior group with Amelia and Justine and Brittany and Jade and Haley that they'll do everything they need to do to put us in that situation to get the win. You average about 72 points a game, giving up about 56. You only have two players in double figures and, and Haley Cottony at 15 and a half points a game and about 14 points a game for Hannah Norland. Yeah. There isn't anybody else statistically that then jumps out at any, you have a, four or five or six players who have six points a game mm-hmm. now and yeah no that's that's about right it, does this a is this a team that relies on those two in the sense of Haley and Hannah be, to put up the points to keep you guys in games or is there something we're not seeing on the stat sheet or even in games that 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 helps you guys kind of you know put it all together and game in game because yep. relying on just two players seems like it wouldn't work no, and obviously, if you add up, you know, Haley and Hannah's points, that's only 20, what, 29, 30 points. And like you said, we're, we average 70. Right. One of those where every night of the year, um, you know, one girl steps up. Like this weekend, Amelia had 17 in our last game. The game before that, Jade Tucker had 15. The game before that, or the first game of the year, Justine Larson had 21 points. Um, it's just, I think that's where we're kind of dangerous, where, say, Haley's getting shut down or Hannah, you know, her game's not working down low for it somebody else always steps up and i'd rather have a team full of you know two good two good girls that get double figures and the rest of the bench you know seven to eight players getting that five to seven points because that means they're capable of scoring more when we need them how hard is it to coach with an interim tag and i I mean that very seriously i know it's a state school and with a last minute hire we saw this with a couple wisconsin schools this year um especially on the men's side how hard is it for you to coach with an interim tag on you when it comes down to recruiting, when it comes down to talking to your players and all that? Because you don't know what the future necessarily holds because they technically have to open up this job fully yep. uh, when the season concludes, and, and who knows where that could lead. You know, um, we've talked a little bit about it with the players, but I'll say, you know, the university is going to do what's best for them. And we mm-hmm. talked about that, why why I stepped into that position, because it was it was a seamless transition for them. Um, you know, they're going to take care of the girls no matter what. Um, I, I haven't had a lot of challenges because we tell the girls, Hey, you get one year at a time. And, and you're talking earlier with Kevin about that, how you can't even talk about next year because every year you don't know what's going to happen. Um, what's going to happen in the off season, who's going to, you know, what teams are going to get stronger around you. So you got to take it year by year. Um, again, I give so much credit to our girls where they bought in right away and said, Hey, we're here to win games. We're here to, you know, become better student athletes and, um, again, giving credit to them, I haven't had much, um, much of a challenge with that. With the recruiting piece, you know, I, I do think it's important to get that um, tag removed. I know our men's program, they're going through the same situation. And from our standpoint as coaches, we're saying, hey, let's move forward with this as fast as we can, because it does help with the recruiting where you can say, hey, I'm going to be here or the next coach is going to be here. At the end of the day, yes, it's a basketball game, but we're also trying to do what's best for the students. Um, and I think, again, UWS is doing a great job with making sure that the, the athletes know that the other challenge is the UMAC and, and I don't want to, to, to dismiss any of the teams there who are playing hard uh, I come from an alma mater who's pulled off a rare feat in in college basketball which we'll talk about at the end of the show of going undefeated or going winless but it's tough you've won 13 straight it's not like the conference puts up a ton of challenge martin luther 16 point game but then saint scholastica 76 29 bethany lutheran it's it's a seven point game but then north central minnesota is a 101 64 game 
how do you raise the level of of play when you're not necessarily being challenged that way three quarters of the season? Um, well, if there's a, a right answer, I think um, whoever comes out with that would be the smartest guy in, out there. Um, <laughs> you know, it, it, it's tough. And we talk about it, Coach Hal, one of the assistants, he talks about it, how you're not going to get up for every game. And as coaches, you wish that players would. You'd be like, come on, let's have that fuel, that energy. But at the end of the day, we just talk about girls – everybody's coming for us. And I think, um, you know, I call it the, cur- the curse of coach Mulhern that he put a big target on our back as a program. And the girls kind of know that every day, it, it doesn't matter who, who we're playing, you know, you have to take care of business. And I think you can see that in our defensive end. Um, you know, we show up to play defense. There is a stretch there where three of our four games, we were holding opponents under 30 points. And, and I don't care, you know, who you're playing. That's, that's a, that's a challenge. Um, and that's something that you should be proud of because to, to be able to do that back to back nights is, is, a um, you know, it just shows a lot about, about your program, about your players. And like I said, it's the girls just, they, they know what they need to do. Um, and they get the job done. Well, you've been getting the job done for a while as a program. Uh, I don't remember the last time we weren't expecting the superior to be at the top of the conversation. Of course, the WIAC is very happy you guys have left. Just for the <laughs> record, they tell me it every year. Um, but congratulations on keeping the program uh, status quo, for lack of a better description. It's a tough thing to do as an interim head coach stepping in um, as the former coach has left. And you guys are off to a tremendous start. You're not a tremendous start. We've wrapped things up. Darn it all. Uh, it's old habit. The new season. Yeah, it just feels like a start still to me. Uh, yep. Obviously, conference schedule ahead, and we appreciate you taking the time and the focus. I know now turns towards that in the NCAA, so hopefully we'll be still talking about you in the tournament a week from now. As always, we give the coach the final word, even if it's an interim coach. Don't worry. We always give the coach the final word. Any final thoughts you want to share with those who may be tuning in? I um, just want to say I appreciate you know getting superior out there and, and talking about the UMAC. Um, it's, it's a conference that's getting stronger and stronger every year, and again, I just appreciate you taking the time and, and talking about us. And for actually for all the work you do, um, I know the people speaking earlier said it same. You make it easier for us as resources where we can just click on and go on your website. It truly appreciate all the work you guys do. Well, thank you. Uh, I know the guys appreciate that as well. Thank you for your time because it's a lot easier to do these shows when coaches like yourself, especially uh, in a scenario nobody knows. I asked these coach requests this week very okay. late. Uh, thanks for coming on, and I appreciate you taking the time, and good luck the rest of the way. Thank you, Dave. Absolutely. Zach Otto Fisher joining us on the City of Salem Skype hotline. Appreciate him taking the time to do so. Um, yeah, win, get in, and then Superior is always one of those tough teams you don't really know what to expect, and anybody who's going to have them early in the tournament better be prepared. Uh, we're going to take another break. When we come back, we'll talk women's basketball. And still ahead, we'll talk to Brendan Gulick out of um, the Great Lakes region, talk about the crazy OAC, NCAC race, and more. And then Ryan Scott will join us about the top 25. But first, Rose Holman women's basketball, one of the top defenses in the country. We're not talking a lot about them. We'll take a break. When we come back, more hoops from the WBCA and ABC studios. Back after this. I did receive a non-athletic scholarship upon entering uh, school. I got the presidential scholarship, which was huge for me. I think there's more opportunities for academic scholarships in Division Three. I did receive academic scholarships. Just being involved on campus, being a leader, all those things combined kind of get me recognized. It's a great experience for me. My name is Marcus Walker. I was All-State, won a state championship, a high school All-American, 
and played college and pro ball. I played because I love the game. I grind to be the best. I sweat because I put in work. I'm strong because I believe. When I want to bring it before game time, I come to the house that college basketball built, the CBE. No matter your skill, take it to another level. Elevate your game right here at the College Basketball Experience at Sprint Center. It's on us to stop sexual assault. In any way that we can. To get a friend home safe. To never blame the victim. It's on us. To stand up. To make our community safe for all. It's on us. It's on us to look out for each other at parties. It's on us. To be more than just a bystander. To step up and say something. It's on us, all of us. To, to stop, stop sexual assault. Learn how and take the pledge at itsonus.org. We've got more schools than Division One, more fans than Division Two, and more upsets than March Madness. There's 800 programs with over 11,000 games leading to two national championships. And we've been covering it all for over a decade. From Eastern to Occidental, from Puget Sound to Piedmont, from Southwestern to the University of New England, and from Hope to Calvin. Nobody covers Division III basketball like we do. We're D3Hoops.com at www.d3hoops.com. I'm a Division III student athlete, and I know how powerful words can be. The term gay doesn't mean stupid, lame, or less than. So I pledge to speak up if I hear the term gay used in a derogatory way or any other homophobic terms. If you can play, you can play in Division III. I'm a Division III student athlete, and my teammates unconditionally accepted me as part of their family. So now I pledge to do the same for others. If you can play, you can play in Division III. Welcome back to Hoopsville, everybody. Hope you're enjoying the show. As always, if you've got questions for us, tweet us at D3Hoopsville or hashtag Hoopsville. Email us, Hoopsville at D3Hoops.com, or join us on Facebook, Facebook.com slash Hoopsville, where we have a live simulcast. That's how it's all working out, and I know we've gotten a lot of good questions. Uh, Dave uh, has a number of them, and I see them in there, Dave. I will try and answer them the best I can. Um, can we look ahead to next season for a minute? Wow, that's looking into the, the futures. Trinity is getting one of the best players in Kate Kirsch. Um, we can talk about it, Dave, but let me get through some of this season first, okay? Let me let me get through a couple of uh, segments here, or at least uh, this guest ahead, and then we can certainly do that. All right, so speaking of women's basketball, if you haven't been watching the HCAC, you're missing another incredible defensive team in the country. We talk about Amherst and Tufts. They certainly are good defensive teams. Bowden has shown to be a solid defensive unit this year. But I think one that nobody really truly understands and has struggled putting the numbers together, as it were, is RIT. Or RIT. I apologize. Our HITs, there's initials, Rose Holman's Institute of Technology. Really good defensive team. Once again has won the HCAC, will control that conference, and is in look, looking in pretty good shape to still be on in the topic of conversation when we gather again next Sunday. What makes the engineers tick, as it were? Well, that's the easy question. How about we get the answers? Joining us on the City of Salem Hoopsville Hotline, it's the head coach of the number 24th ranked engineers. It is John Bravo. Coach, thanks for taking the time, sir. Thank you, Dave. Appreciate being on. Absolutely. Um, you know, this is one of those things. I, I mean, the season you've had and, and the defense that you guys have been playing, I feel has f maybe flown a little bit under the radar. I don't know if it's because we've expected it and a couple of losses surprised us or if we're just not sure what we're seeing. How's the season gone from your vantage point? Well, season's gone the way we kind of um, – wanted to go and expected to go. We had high expectations. 
uh, leading up to the start of the season, and we have met uh, those expectations and probably exceeded a couple others. But overall, Dave, uh, we're right where we thought we would be at this point of the year. Uh, if you had told me we would have went 18 and 0 in the conference, I might have, um, you know, kind of said, well, we we might have one off night. Uh, but no, we we had a great um, conference season along with our non-conference scheduling. I think that's the that's the trick here is that you went undefeated in the season. I think that's what surprised me the most. Listen, you had a and we'll talk about that in a second. You had a rough stretch in November. If we take November out of this, everything's a different look. But you also played a who's who list. You started with Finlandia. Let's let's skip that out of the who's who list. <laughs> you didn't have a choice. Hope gave you those guys to start with. Yeah. But then you lose to Hope, but only by five on the road. You then travel to Chicago, lose only by two. You then travel oh, to DePaul. Uh, you've got you got that wrong. We beat Chicago at Chicago. Yeah, I'm sorry. You're right. No, I'm reading a W. I just can't put it in my head. You're right. You beat. Yeah. I got into the losing streak, Coach. I apologize there. Yeah, you right. you lost to Hope by five. You beat Chicago by two. You lost to DePaul by six, and you lost to Illinois Wesleyan by one. All four of those teams are pretty darn good this season by everybody's definition. If I just look at that, I'm thinking to myself, "Ooh, these engineers teams." dangerous it's it's they've got some matchup abilities here and you kept everybody low scoring too that that seemed despite going one and and three in that stretch that seemed like some really good basketball for you it was it was and that and that was by design um i mean it's it's something where we want to play as good a competition that we can uh, especially non-conference, because a lot of uh, once you get into conference play, you're going to have uh, some lesser teams within your conference, and your top uh, of your conference is going to be strong. But we wanted to play uh, as good a competition as we can with us being able to get in that Midwest Challenge now yearly with DePaul, WashU, Illinois Westland. I uh, went up and played Hope in their uh, uh, classic up there. Uh, and then uh, having the University of Chicago uh, on our schedule year in and year out. Uh, we want to schedule as strong uh, teams as we can, so that helps prepare us not only getting us ready for conference play, but hopefully postseason play, because those are the type of teams that you're going to face when you get to the NCAA tournament. Yeah, absolutely. And and I'm impressed with the, the scheduling that you guys did with those games. And again, they're tight results. And then you go into conference play, and well, you haven't lost. I mean, you haven't lost since the Illinois Wesleyan game on November 26th. Um, and you've dominated some teams here. And Transylvania, you've had some tight battles with. Um, and I don't think that's a surprise because we know Transylvania is a, a pretty good squad and well coached. They finished three games behind you, though. And Bluffton finished four games behind you. These are two teams that we were talking at the top of this conference on um, the last couple of years. And Transylvania is still 20 and 5, and Bluffton's still 19 and 6. Hanover had a good season as well, but you've really put your foot down on this conference. You hinted at it earlier. That's kind of surprising. Um, no, yes, and I mean we we've done that the last uh, three years. We've won the uh, mm -hmm. uh, regular season HCAC. But someone uh, tripped you up those times <laughs> and everything. But uh, but no. Um, but I think our strength of schedule uh, preseason helped us um, get ready for our conference season, and I think that's important. And um, the, the squad that I have um, wants to uh, set their sights high. 
we they set their expectations high. And matter of fact, I had two seniors that came back after Christmas after playing four conference games, coming back after Christmas, and we sat down as a team to talk about our expectations, about our goals. Do we need to modify them? Do we want to change them a little bit? Did we set some things maybe a little high? Where we're at right now, kind of revisiting everything. And they both said, Coach, we have something we want to add. We don't want to be just regular season conference champions. We want to go undefeated. And I looked at their teammates, and they all just shook their head. Yeah, we want to strive for that. That's what we want to uh, push ourselves for. And lo and behold, um, we accomplished that. And so those two seniors had a lot of uh, will and determination uh, along with the rest of the team uh, to accomplish that. What's interesting is, you know, you got dinged up at least the last couple of seasons. One loss last year and two losses in conference. So, you know, to go undefeated against Transylvania and to go undefeated against Bluffton, that certainly says something. But the job's not done. You still have the conference tournament ahead of you guys. Uh, and I know Correct. that takes a lot of priority in your book in what is a very crowded Great Lakes region to begin with, regionally ranking-wise, because you've got Hope and DePauw and and what and and whatnot in that con- Thomas Moore certainly. What's how are you getting the team ready for what will certainly be very tough tests because you know everyone's going to be coming gunning for you. Well, one of the things that we've set up to make sure that we're, we're ready for the conference tournament is we're in finals this week. We're on quarter, so this week is uh, real challenging. Uh, if no one is aware of what Rose Holman is or where Rose Holman is, we have been the number one uh, undergraduate engineering school in the world the last 19 consecutive years. Amazing. And so from an academic standpoint, um, you know, my kids are challenged daily, so we, I wanted to challenge them more. So um, we've got our finals, uh, our winter finals are this week leading up to the conference tournament. But that's also a precursor to our uh, opening of the season. After our fall quarter, uh, we have finals, and that opening weekend in Division Three is right at the end of our finals week. So we kind of used that opening tip-off tournament when we went up to Hope as kind of a, a practice run, especially for the young kids, of uh, getting them ready for this situation of knowing what they're going to face coming out of finals and then have to go up and play uh, back-to-back nights and uh, play stiff competition. Yeah, uh, you've got a bunch of chemical, mechanical, biomedical engineers on your roster. Um, just reading their, and we've joked, just reading the roster makes me feel like I didn't get much of an education. Um, what was the turnaround? Because th- when you took over in tw- 206, 207, you guys were 21 and 5, 13 and 3, finished second in the conference. The next year, 11, 15, and then kind of hit a slide going as low as 4 and 21, below 500 for a number of seasons, got above 500 in 2014, 15 when you finished 99 in conference, and then you guys broke through two seasons ago at 23 and 4. What was the switch? What happened that allowed you guys to just kind of come exploding back, as it were? Well, there's some factors that come into that. Uh, Part of it was I went from uh, the men's side of basketball to the women's side. So early on, understanding the recruiting of um, what regions were going to be best for us, it took me a little while to get 
kind of uh, the lay of the land and figure that out. And then, too, if you look at most engineering schools, you look at Purdue, you look at Georgia Tech, I don't care where you look, you look at the number of females at those schools that are doing engineering compared to the males, it's going to be about 20% females, 80% male. Mm-hmm. We're at 25% here at Rose Home and female, uh, 75% male. So finding young ladies out there that want what we offer academically, and we're a very high academic institution, so they have to come be a tremendous student and want something in the engineering, math, or science areas. I mean, we're not a liberal arts school with the School of Engineering tied into it. We're an engineering school. So really finding that and then figuring out, um, we've only been co-ed here at Rose Hallman now. This is our 23rd year of having females um, on our campus. So going from those aspects there and figuring out, I finally figured out I can't rely on a five-state area of around Indiana here to recruit because some years you might only have two or three kids in the state of Indiana that want to study engineering that are female and maybe only one or two of them can get in academically. So, um, and then finding someone from an athletic standpoint that can help continue to build our program, make us better, give us those type of uh, young ladies that can compete at the level that we want to compete at here at Rose Holman, along with the educational values. So I've had to cast my nets a lot farther out than most of our men's programs here. Uh, you notice my roster, it's not as diversified this year as other years, but California, Texas, uh, Utah, uh, Missouri, Colorado, uh, South Carolina, North Carolina, and of course then the surrounding states of Illinois, Ohio, Michigan, Kentucky, Missouri, along with here in Indiana. So I've had to look and uh, find those fits that can come in and help us continue to build our program. And really, we've got our roster sizes built up now, too, which has helped us uh, with the depth. Because year in and year out, you never know, um, you know, with injuries, illnesses, uh, some nights someone doesn't have it. So being able to bring someone off the bench that can contribute, and that's what's made us uh, kind of turn the corner here, Dave. Well, how much also do you have to be prepared for those students who cannot give you the time and practice and maybe even have to miss a game because of the academic rigors of the college? Well, we put academics first, so we never right. practice till the academic day's over. That's why it, it really helps us here in the Midwest and being on quarters where those opening tip-off tournaments, we can travel and we're on quarter break. So I don't have to worry about, you know, playing and getting my kids back from a Sunday game uh, in a tournament to get to class at 8 a.m. on Monday uh, over quarter break. So we'll jam in a lot. And then, two, we're, we're very fortunate here in the Midwest of having a number of uh, top quality uh, Division three women's programs uh, that we have an opportunity that we can get to, you know, within a four- or five-hour radius of Terre Haute and vice versa than getting to us or even less distance mm-hmm. and still be able to challenge yourself by really upping our schedule and playing those top-tier Division three programs. 
when you um, look at what you've got ahead and and realize you know you're going to have a conference tournament where everybody's going to gun for you and you've got to get into the in, into the NCAA tournament. How much do you got to keep relying on what you're doing defensively, or do you at some point need to to lean more onto the offense? No, we we build our program first and foremost that we're going to night in and night out defend because that for whatever reason, Dave, that round um, uh, orange object does not go through that round orange cylinder as often as you would want. And if you shoot 50% a night, you're shooting pretty well. Well, that means you're also missing half of your shots. So defensively, we're going to defend. And, and that's why uh, I have a lot of respect for my players because they've really bought into it. They want to defend. We want to be a really good rebounding team night in and night out. Um, and so, you know, those are two things we hang our cap on that we work extremely hard on. And they strive to be as good as we can be in those two areas. And they and they understand that. And from an offensive standpoint, you know, we're, we're extremely balanced. We don't have to rely on, you know, one or two players nightly to go out and carry us offensively. It's kind of by committee. And, uh, I mean, uh, my top score on the team averages 13 points a night. My next average is 12. And then that goes down to, you know, 10, 8, 7, uh, 6, 5, 5, 4, 3, you know, 7. And each night, any of those girls could go out and get me anywhere from 8 to 14 or 15 points. And it just makes it difficult for teams to prepare for us because if they concentrate on one or two girls, now all of a sudden these other three or four girls are popping up on them uh, and so forth. So we, we pride ourselves. Uh, we're very balanced. We play as a team. Uh, there's no egos. Uh, they, they, they understand this is what has put us in this position, and they enjoy it. I'm surprised that, for as many engineers as you have on the team, maybe nobody's figured out how to shoot better. Um, what I'm really surprised is, is the three best shooters you have on the team, only one of them is a mechanical engineer. Um, <laughs> the others are either chemical or biomedical. I would have thought the your mechanical engineers would have had an advantage in that situation. Apparently it doesn't hold out that way. You're led by a Ali uh, Broman Schenkel, um, 13 points a game, 7.5 rebounds a game. Uh, yeah, not too shabby at all. Junior, by the way. Uh, C.R. Uh, Franklin, 10 points a game, six rebounds a game. Junior, by the way. Your two double figures are juniors. Your senior in, uh, was it Elijah Dilworth? Yes, Elijah Dilworth. Elijah Dilworth. Uh, eight points a game, uh, three and a half rebounds a game. Your top, one of your top assist players at 2.2. Your, your, actually, your top assist player is Allie's sister, Abby, at three and a half. No shock there. Uh, Abby probably knew full well um, that Allie wants the ball. They're twins, if I remember correctly, and they're probably Correct. communicating between themselves without anybody realizing that. Uh, we'll get back to the twins, but how important is it to let everybody kind of understand this team ain't going away any, anytime soon? Oh, no, no. Um, and, it, you know, it's something where um, my junior class is extremely talented, uh, real deep there, but my two seniors this year have really been kind of the heart and soul and have have really stepped up with their roles going from juniors to seniors in being our leaders. And 
really accepting and uh, help pushing and challenging and supporting and encouraging their their teammates and and uh, without those two and then uh, Lindsey Fagerberg is my other senior other than Alasia and Lindsey going into her senior year had had a lot of exposure experience at the varsity level uh, you know here and there she worked extremely hard it was important to her going into her senior year she wanted to be more uh, get more time on the floor when it mattered. And she came back, um, you know, after last summer, uh, after an internship, and had really worked hard and really, really stepped into that and has been a starter since day one of this year for me. And Lindsay's getting um, just a little over seven points a game for me. And, again, she's another young lady that on a lot of other teams, she might average 14 to 18 points, but because of how we kind of build our program here, how we want to share it, we want to move it, just like, um, you know, two statistical areas in yesterday's game that I brought up to the team after was the fact that we shot over 60% and basically uh, 50-some percent from the three-point line yesterday. We had 28 assists and nine turnovers. Uh, in our game yesterday. So mm-hmm. moving the ball, sharing it, and making that extra pass and finding that teammate is important to them. And, and we work on that on a, on a daily basis. Quickly about the sisters, Allie and Abby. Um, they're not identical, correct? Are they so, fraternal? Well, uh, yes. Okay. Fraternal. I, th- I thought so. Because uh, one's listed at 6'1", and the other one's listed at 5'11", and they do look a little different on their on their shots, or on their headshots. Uh, that said, that is a heck of a duo along with the rest of the team, and obviously that's the that, that's kind of the glue, as it were, for this unit, it feels like. It is. They're two of my uh, top players, and night in and night out, I know what to expect and what I'm going to get out of those two young ladies. Um, and, again, both of them, like Abby yesterday, had 16, a point, 16 points, nine assists. Uh, is a tremendous, uses her length defensively as a point guard. Uh, she's our point guard on our team of 5'11", um, very good athlete. But yet, she could go nights where getting that seven assist, maybe only getting three to five points, but locking down defensively and just doing other things, um, you know, is something that they pride themselves in and understand that, um, certain opponents are going to try to take certain things away from us, and it just opens up other things and other people on our team. Well, Coach, you got a, an interesting squad, to say the least. I've enjoyed talking about them and, and also just wrapping my mind around how you guys have, have developed this program. It's, it's tremendous. You know, we talk about the MIT success. We've, you know, Caltech's gotten headlines, certainly. You know, RIT has certainly done well as well. I, I feel like we don't talk about Rose Holman enough, and I'm glad we could get you guys on uh, and talk about this success, especially, as you said, for, a, you know, for really a school that's still considered a single-sex. Uh, I, I went to a, a former single-sex school, and now, you know, Goucher College, they still, there's many people, oh, that's not a female school still? No, it's not, or I wouldn't have graduated from there. Um, sure. So I, I appreciate you taking the time to talk about them. I enjoy the conversations. Good luck the rest of the way. Um, and certainly we look forward to talking about the engineers in the NCAA tournament. And I hope we're talking about you next Sunday night. As always, you give the coach the final word. Any final thoughts you want to share with those who may be tuning in? 
Um, if you get a chance, come out and see us. We're, we're a fun team to watch. Uh, some great young ladies that bigger and better things are in front of them. Uh, after their basketball careers are over with at Rose Hallman, uh, I know I'll be picking up and reading about their tremendous things that they're involved in with their careers and moving forward. But, uh, Dave, we really appreciate you guys taking the time, uh, bringing our school uh, out to um, the country here. And uh, as you mentioned earlier, the engineers don't look like they're going to be going away uh, soon, and we will not. Uh, we are getting our program going, and, and we're going to be one of the top Division three women's basketball programs and moving forward here. Well, congratulations. You're certainly stepping in the right direction, and uh, hats off to your players. And we'll look forward to talking more about the engineers down the road. All right, Dave. Thank you very much. Absolutely. John Pravo joining us on the City of Salem Hoopsville Hotline. Again, the engineers in control of the HCAC right now. They'll control the tournament when it comes to their home, as it were. Uh, their opponents still do be determined between Hanover or Earlham. It's going to be a tough battle, to be sure. Um, I think they're going to get in anyway. They've got some really good numbers. And um, folks, that four-game stretch, despite the three losses, remember that stretch when we start talking about games in March. Remember that stretch. Remember that stretch when we're talking about this team in the future. It's similar to saying a couple of years ago when we said, remember Wartburg's stretch in December of this year? Now, in that case, Wartburg won. But my point is still the same. Remember that stretch. That can be where sometimes seasons and, and programs can be made or break broken, and I think they have been made as a result. We're going to come back. We're going to stay in the Great Lakes region and talk about the absolutely insane OAC on both the men's and women's side and the NCAC on the men's side. Brendan Gulick will join us. He knows a little bit a thing or two about the, that area. Uh, former John Carroll graduate and calls games for Baldwin Wallace, who'll give us a regional report. And still ahead, Ryan Scott joins us for our top 25 double take. You'll listen to Hoops Hope presented by D3Hoops.com from the WBCA and ABC studios. More Hoops will after this. College basketball lives in Kansas City at the College Basketball Experience at Sprint Center. The College Basketball Experience is the place to get your game on. It's not a museum. It's an experience you won't forget. Discover the history of the game in the National Collegiate Basketball Hall of Fame featuring the Gallery of Honor, Mentor's Circle, and Honor Theater. Suit up in the latest CBE-logoed Nike gear at the CBE Hoop Shop. Elevate your game today and visit the house that college basketball built. For the love of the game, but for those of us who are Division III student-athletes, it's more than that, a lot more. Sure, the game is important, but as we work so hard to build both mind and body, it's more about team. That is why NCAA Division III teamed up with Special Olympics. And in giving the gift of sport to those for whom it seemed an impossible dream, we are working to make this a better world. Help us keep that dream alive. You can make a difference. This is why we love sports. It's in the way they play, free from the pressures and all the money talk. Playing for simply the love of the game where everyone has a shot at their definition of success on and off the field. This is what we love about sports and what we can still love about college sports. It starts right when you hit the court. You imagine your finest moment, the game-winning shot that gets you to the dance, a monster dunk or no-look pass, and cutting down the net. 
Sports lets us dream of our own success and prepare us for our finest moments on and off the court. We've got more schools than Division One, more fans than Division Two, and more upsets than March Madness. There's 800 programs with over 11,000 games leading to two national championships. And we've been covering it all for over a decade. From Eastern to Occidental, from Puget Sound to Piedmont, from Southwestern to the University of New England, and from Hope to Calvin. Nobody covers Division Three basketball like we do. We're D3Hoops.com at www.d3hoops.com. Welcome back to Hoopsville, everybody, on this Thursday as we head into overtime. We warned you this was going to happen. We warned you on the last show it was going to happen. And here we are into overtime. A reminder, a little programming note, Thursday will be on the air at 7 o'clock Eastern time as well, most likely into overtime on that show as we try and get as much as we can covered. I will preview now that we will get a look at the NESCAC tournament from an outsider's point of view. Um, in other words, not a coach. Uh, we will get that look. We'll also look at some other schools and some other races around the country. And then a reminder, at this point, a week from now, we will be on the air and not looking to get off the air anytime soon. We will go on the air earlier at like 5 or 6 o'clock Eastern time to start talking about who's in and who's out of the NCAA tournaments, who our picks are for men's and women's basketball. We will not bracket. Do not get your hopes up. We don't have that kind of time. Ryan and the crew will do that behind the scenes, but we will at least start the picks. Most likely women first, men second, but up for debate. That's next week. And then, of course, the following Monday, the 20, let's see, 23, 24, 27, 26, whatever, the Monday, bracket specials with the NCAA, with yours truly, and this studio. Already got word that a, at least a couple schools might be sending us some stuff for that. And then we will go on with our bracket breakdown show, we hope, that Monday afternoon. Sometimes that is a little bit up in the air. All right, so let's talk about one of the crazier things. We've talked about how crazy the WIAC race has been. Somehow we're going to try and get a preview of that on Thursday if we can as well. We've talked about how crazy the OAC was going to be from the start of this season. We had a hint that the NCAC was going to be a, a crazy season, but I don't think it still would turned out the way we thought it was going to turn out. Team on top that no one really had their their eye on and a team not on top that everyone had their eye on and plenty more. The Great Lakes has been insane and half the reason that Wednesdays and Saturdays when you log on to the D3Hoops.com scoreboard is painful, at least for us voters. It's also incredibly enjoyable. One of the guys who knows that conference probably better than most and maybe better than he should uh, is our friend Brendan Gulick. He is a graduate of John Carroll, which we don't hold against him necessarily, but he's also broadcast a lot of games for Baldwin Wallace um, in most sports. He's also calls a number of the OAC championships, and he will be on the call for the NCAA Women's Championship Final Four in Rochester, Minnesota. Yours truly will be on the call along with uh, my good friend, um, Mr. Lincoln, will be joining me in Salem, but more importantly, Brendan Gulick joins us on the City of Salem Skype hotline. And, sir, it is good to see you via Skype. Great to see you, too, man. What's up? He's lying. You can't see me, believe it or not, the way this studio is set up. Yeah, it's great to look at the picture of you Yeah, uh, in your studio, talking in the mic. You got the headphones on and everything, but uh, you're right. I don't have a live show. Yeah. No, I, I made it as, I made it as uh, what do they call it, like a... Uh, as virtual as I possibly could for you. It's, it's realistic, really. There you go. Realistic. That's it. All right. Let's start. I, I was debating where I wanted to start this because it's insane no matter where I start it. 
I feel let's start on, I'm going to throw you a curveball from what I did earlier. I'm going to start with the OAC women. All right. Um, I feel like this one felt like a backdoor in some ways. It didn't feel like this was how it was supposed to turn out. Ohio Northern was clicking along most of the season and then, oops, uh, right at the end, kind of stumbled a little bit and nearly got tripped up. Finished 15 and 3, Marietta 14 and 4. Marietta, of course, the team we've been talking about all season, both teams 21 and 4 on the season. But Otterbein right behind him, along with Mount Union, got this one to be a little bit interesting. This, this turned out to be a little tighter than I think people thought it would be. You know, I think the uh, the biggest thing in this conference right now is that for the last several years, Ohio Northern has been the top dog. There, there are three losses this year. That's the same combined total that they had in the three previous years, right. uh, if you lump their losses together from the last three seasons. So uh, I, I think you're starting to see some of the teams in the conference that are perhaps a little younger um, figure it out and, and figure out how to play with the veteran teams. But the reason that Marietta, in my opinion, was so good this year, they had all their veterans coming back. They they were by far the most veteran-laden uh, team in the conference. And when you get kids that play, I mean, you know it, Dave, at the D3 level, when you get kids that buy into a system and play for three, four years, sometimes that's just the difference by itself because you can build that chemistry not just during a season but you know, in the offseason. And there were some young teams in the conference that struggled because they don't have a lot of veterans. So that's why Marietta's been so good this year. Um, I still think Ohio Northern is the team to beat. Uh, but that doesn't mean they won't get challenged. I think they they can probably get to the OAC championship game with uh, without a, a lot of challenge. But man, I'll tell you what: if it's if it's Northern and Marietta again, it could be a really fun matchup. But Brendan, as good as Ohio Northern is, they finished the last seven at four and three. Yeah. Um, you know, Capital tripped them up by eight. Of course, Dixie Jeffers is always tough at their place. Then they went on a three-game winning streak. Then John Carroll beat them on the road. Otterbein beat them at Ohio Northern, of all places, on senior day. And then Marietta um, nearly tripped them up. It took double overtime before Ohio Northern finally won that on Saturday. Ohio Northern's got me a little nervous here. Yeah, and, and I can understand why. I will say this. Um, Otterbein is, is sneaky good. They, mm-hmm. I think little better than their record indicates, but they've got to play at the top of their game if they're going to win the conference tournament. I was blown away by John Carroll considering what they have. They are so young. And for a while, boy, it, it, you're, you're starting to think about, is this the, the worst team that they've ever had? They are so much scrappier and better than their record indicates. And, and having talked with Coach Kelly Marone, she doesn't like to hear that. She wants to say, look, we're exactly what our record is. This isn't a feel-good situation. You either win or you lose, and we've lost. But they're young, and, and I think John Carroll could give Ohio Northern a challenge if it came to that. Um, I, I think the Polar Bears are the top dog. I can understand why, why you'd feel a little worried about them. But um, – I, I've actually been a little bit impressed with some of the teams that you wouldn't expect to hear from in the OAC this year. Uh, by the way, Otterbein had a stretch there where they lost five of seven games. That ended in mid-November um, with a loss to Baldwin-Wallace because after that they rattled off, I think it was something like nine straight wins before yeah. Mount Union tripped them up on Saturday. So, you know, they're certainly in play. And, again, Marietta's in play, though Marietta also struggled down the stretch out of their last, uh, let's see, if I can do math. Eight games, they did lose three of them, including that double overtime game 
to Ohio Northern. How do you see you see Ohio Northern? Do you see anybody else coming out of this turn uh, of this uh, conference for for bids this year? I think Marietta gets in. In fact, yeah. I, I thought it was really interesting that in the last regional rankings, and now that Northern's beaten Marietta a second time, it's probably going to change. But in the second go round, Marietta was actually two slots ahead of Ohio Northern. Yeah. Uh, apparently, the national committee liked them that much more than the Polar Bears. So. Given that Marietta's uh, losses this year, they had an overtime loss to Otterbein. They had one other game where they kind of stubbed their toe, and then they lost to Ohio Northern twice, but neither of them were blowouts, especially if Marietta can play them well. And if Marietta doesn't have, um, you know, maybe a, a uh, too close of a win, I guess, a way to say it, in, in a quarterfinal or a semifinal, I, I have a feeling Marietta's going to get in only because – the Great Lakes region on the women's side is ridiculously strong. And and the teams that mm-hmm. don't win the automatic qualifiers, I think they're going to be the first couple off the table. So it's going to bring a team like the OAC runner-up, who might be sixth or seventh in the region. I think it might bring them in the conversation sooner, and, and I think they might get a nod. Yeah, to pause in no matter what, hopes in no matter what, so is trying. Uh, one of them's going to lose, one of them's going to be at the table, one of them's going to, and they're going to be gone. Thomas Moore's in no matter what. Rose Holman's probably in no matter what, which then leads us to Marietta at the next one at the table. Granted, the rankings are going to change here. Marietta, Transylvania, Ohio Northern. Ohio Northern might be the only one who might be in a little bit of a tough spot, but there's a lot that could change. Um, let's switch over to the OAC men. Oh, uh, <laughs> What a fun conference, huh? Oh, my. I mean, listen, you and I talked in the preseason. We talked early in the season, not on air. Um, we talked quite a bit off air. I don't know why we haven't talked more on, more on air. Um, we talked in the middle of the season. We talked in the last couple of weeks. We have always said it's going to be a hell of a race. Yeah. I don't think I expected what, I, what we got. Um, John Carroll tied with Marietta. Marietta had a weird year i don't feel like they had a dominating year even though they finished 20 and 5 ohio northern came into the picture baldwin wallace was doing really darn well (laughs) you know i liked them um and then apparently the wheels came off the bus near the end of the season but mount union got into this conversation capital got into this conversation the oac we always knew was going to be a good race but the end of the season it got very big well, and, and here's what's interesting. I try to judge the strength of a conference, not just based on the top teams. Most conferences are going to have one or two really good teams. Right. OAC's bottom of the bottom of the conference teams, Otterbein did not have a good year. You kind of throw them out. But literally it came down to the last game on the last day of the regular season to determine who got the eight seed and who got the nine seed. And the way it turned out, Muskingum left out of the tournament. Muskingum's leading scorer, Marcus Dempsey, the third leading scorer in the country, I promise you he's one of the five most fun D3 college basketball players I've ever seen. He is the most electrifying scorer in the conference this year, and it's not close. He he is almost unguardable. Love watching him. Not going to play in the tournament. Heidelberg sneaks in as the eight seed, even though he had road wins at BW, at Marietta, and at Ohio Northern. And they're the eight seed. I guarantee you, John Carroll, who right now probably feels good because they won the regular season, although they stubbed their toe down at Capitol, nobody wants to play Heidelberg. And and that's just kind of the feeling. Everybody in this conference really has a a chance uh, to make a push. Last year, 
BW, the six seed, upset Ohio Northern as a three seed. Muskingum at seven seed, upset John Carroll at two seed. I'm, I would be floored if we don't see, at least from just the seeding perspective, if we don't see another upset this year. Yeah. In terms of guys that can actually win the tournament, I mean, John Carroll, Marietta, Northern, and BW, the, the top four seeds in the tournament, I think are going to be the favorites for sure. Um, but to me, it comes down to more matchups than anything else. Marietta just got Anthony Wallace back. When he is playing well, it gives Marietta another layer of depth, and they're really, really good with him. I'm, I'm hearing that Ohio Northern's big man, Ryan Bruns, who is, in my opinion, because Dempsey played for the ninth-place team, I think Ryan Bruns is the player of the year in the conference. Um, it sounds like he's he's got a right foot, or it might be his left foot, but he's got a foot injury for sure. Uh, hasn't played the last couple games, not sure if he's able to play in the tournament. He's our post player. He's the 10th leading scorer in the country, and he's a, he's a dominating force. If he can't play, that that hurts Ohio Northern. But if he's available, hard not to say that they're easily able to win the tournament. Mm. Uh, John Carroll plays this crazy up-tempo, yeah. ram-it-down-your-throat style where they score 100 points a game. But if you can slow them down or throw them off their rhythm, they're beatable. And and Baldwin-Wallace this year has been, you know, they got off to this 14-3 and start. They beat Wisconsin River Falls, who preseason was supposed to be one of the best teams in the country. They had they, they beat Hope, who isn't quite the same Hope team they were last year, but still very good. Um, they beat Bethany. They they beat St. Vincent. They really put together a nice non-conference going 7-1. and one. They started the year 14-3, 7-2 in the OAC with a win over Carroll and Marietta. And then things just fell apart a little bit at the end of the year. But I think if they can continue to – uh, the trend they had in that last game where they threw up 95 on Wilmington, they can shoot the ball. Uh, I wouldn't count BW out as a four seed at all. Yeah, I mean, you talk about Heidelberg and John Carroll. They played on January 3rd at Heidelberg, 194. Um, that you know was coming off of a 104-94 loss that John Carroll had against Hope. And then a couple uh, on Valentine's Day, it was 91-78, a little... Not as close, but yeah, Heidelberg's a threat. This OEC is a threat. And here's the thing. You know it as well as I do. The wrong team takes the wrong loss, and it's not a, it's not a trip to the NCAA tournament in March. There's a lot on the line for everybody in this conference. Yeah, and I think the regional rankings were probably right the last couple weeks where you've got Wittenberg and Worcester at the top two yeah. spots. And then it's the top four teams in the OAC, and and that's not throwing any shade at the Heartland or or the Pack or, or you know or up in Michigan. I mean, I think there's some good teams in those conferences, um, but you've got four really darn good teams at the top of the OAC, and and you're right. If you have a loss at the wrong time, if John Carroll, for example, gets upset in the quarterfinals of the OAC tournament like they did last year, I don't know if they get in this year. I mean, it's it's going to be really interesting to see how that shakes out. It's it's almost as if you can't have a bad loss more than you need a good win when you're at this point and everybody's just fighting for that extra spot. Yep. Speaking of Wittenberg and Worcester, uh, they finished uh, the with a thriller. Shocking, right? Um, Wittenberg, a tremendous season, though they a little scary end to themselves. A two-game winning, losing streak before Worcester tripped them up. Uh, they finished two games ahead of Worcester in the conference standings. Ohio Wesleyan, I, I am being nice to everybody who's listening to the show, who's giving me a hard time. I'm not talking about the Battling Bishops, okay? Um, finished third, then Hiram, Dennison, Wabash. This is, this is one of those conference races where – okay, I'm going to mention the Bishops. Um, 
a couple people have told me that's the wrong, that's the one team that if they get hot, no one wants to see. But listen, I don't necessarily want to see DePaul either because we've seen them as a deep seed under their head coach make a nice little run. If I'm Wittenberg, I'm a little worried about how things finish. And if I'm Worcester, I'm, pre- I'm feeling pretty good, except for the fact that I might have to go to Wittenberg. Yeah, I think Worcester probably has has the upper hand in terms of what they feel like. Um, knowing that they came off the game they did leaves them with that little bitter taste in their mouth. Um I mean, I haven't. I'll, in all transparency, I haven't seen either team in person this year, but I've tried to follow them as best I can because they've had great years. Um, in talking to a couple people around the league, I've asked them flat out, "I'm like, hey, look, at this point, Wittenberg still hasn't lost a game. Are are they for real, or have they just kind of gotten lucky?" And to a person, everybody said, "No, this this team's pretty good." Um, it's really hard to go undefeated. It almost feels like is it better to get a couple of losses out of the way True. to let you know hey, we are beatable. Um, we can't just put this thing on cruise control because we're not Amherst on the ladies' side where they, <laughs> they just steamroll everybody. Most of the time. Uh, <laughs> and, and I'm not throwing shade at the NESCAC. No, either. no, I it's know. A great, great conference. But the idea that you can just – oh, almost there. <laughs> uh, you know, you can just uh, – you, you almost have a game every night where – I mean, gee, if, if you're Wittenberg, I, I think you have to remember that you got to stay locked in. Yeah. Uh, and, and from Worcester's perspective, here we go again. They win 20 more games. Um, I can't remember the last time they lost more than four games in the conference in the regular season. They're always there. They always play well. Their their home crowds are great. Uh, it, it's going to be a fun end of the regulars. You know, the, well, not just the regular season. I, I hope the tournament ends similarly to what the regular season did. Yeah, agreed. Uh, it's going to be a good race. Hey, sir, I appreciate you coming on. I have a stink, sinking suspicion we'll get you a little bit more on on the show, especially as we get closer to Rochester, Minnesota, where you head to call the games for the NCAA as well. But as always, we give our guests the final word, sir. Any final thoughts you want to share with those who are tuning in? Uh, I love D3 basketball. I think it's a ton of fun, and uh, it's been a lot of fun to cover some kids, especially in Northeast Ohio here, who uh, who really play for the love of the game. Um, it, it, wherever you might be listening, if you have a chance to go out and support your, uh, your local D3 schools, you, you don't see as much publicity. This is a great show because it, it gives people a chance to, to really stay dialed in and tune in what's going on. Um, but the kids love playing in front of big crowds and you'd be surprised. There's some pretty darn good talent just because it's division three doesn't mean these kids can't play. Um, so if you have a chance to catch any local conference tournaments or, or maybe the NCAA tournaments, uh, I hope you do. And if not, Listen in, because we love the support, too. Yep, that's a good call, sir. Well done. We'll talk to you soon, all right? Sounds good. Thanks, Dave. Thank you. Brendan Gulick joining us. Once again, John Carroll alum, Baldwin-Wallace broadcaster, uh, OAC championships on occasion. And we get to see him in Rochester, Minnesota. And if you're not watching him, you should be watching us in Salem, Virginia. I'm not saying you should have any priorities, but clearly I'm the guy you should watch. And then, Brendan, you know, you know how it works. Hey, we're going to take a break. When we come back, joining us on Skype, Ryan Scott will join us. We'll do our top 25 double take. If you got questions for Ryan and I, get them to us soon because um, that's we're not going to have a lot of time. You're listening to Hoops Hope presented by D3Hoops.com for the WBCA NABC Studios. More Hoops Hope after this. Great moments are born from great opportunity. That's what you have here tonight. That's what you've earned here tonight. This is your time. 
Now go out there and take it. My name is Marcus Walker. I was All-State, won a state championship, a high school All-American, and played college and pro ball. I played because I love the game. I grind to be the best. I sweat because I put in work. I'm strong because I believe. When I want to bring it before game time, I come to the house that college basketball built, the CBE. No matter your skill, take it to another level. Elevate your game right here at the College Basketball Experience at Sprint Center. Something I discovered in myself is that if I have a goal, then I can accomplish it. It's a well-rounded experience. At a Division III school, you primarily a student athlete, so the school is really shaped around you developing yourself as a complete individual. It helps a lot that you have a family with your team that can guide you. I used to never really talk, ever. Uh, I was afraid if I said something wrong, everyone would laugh at me. But then I started to play golf with Special Olympics. It helped me to find my voice. And now everyone else is speechless. Welcome back to Hoopsal, everybody. Thank you to Brendan for joining us. By the way, apparently uh, I fat-fingered his uh, name on the uh, graphic. Hey, what can I say? Um, I didn't notice that it was spelled with an H on the end. His name is spelled with a K on the end. Mistake on my part. Sorry about that, folks. Sorry to Brendan. He didn't. He laughed it off, but yeah, we should have caught that earlier. But sometimes when you're doing it all by yourself, you can only do so much. Um, all right, so... We're going to wrap up the show here, the final 30 minutes. That's all we're going uh, with Brendan, Brendan Gulick. Yeah, we're going to bring Brendan back uh, and do the whole segment over again. Actually, Ryan Scott will join us here. Uh, if you got questions for Ryan, I tweet us at D3Hoopsville and hashtag Hoopsville uh, or email us hoopsville at D3Hoops.com or join us on Facebook at Facebook.com slash Hoopsville, et cetera, et cetera. You know how to get a hold of us, and you should be taking advantage of that fully, as they say. Um, all right, so it's our top 25 double take. Uh, we always talk about who we think may be a dubious team, who might be a, um, a deep dive on a team, somebody we haven't considered, or we also debate some. Flying a little bit by the seat of our pants a little bit because there's so much going on, and we're getting ready for conference championships. But joining us on the City of Salem Sky Hotline, it is the aforementioned Ryan Scott. Sir, good to see you as always. Hello. Good to be here. Um, another crazy week. I mean, we're expecting this at this point. Um, not yeah. surprised. But I, I think the one thing I was definitely surprised by, how many conferences had ties and how many of those conferences went to coin flips or something. Yeah, it was a, a little bit crazy. This was actually, I, I didn't have as much of a chance to follow it on Saturday because I, I traveled up to watch the Swarthmore F&M game. 
usually I'm the one digging into the, the conference websites to find all the tiebreakers and everything, but I didn't quite get the chance this year. Yeah, well, yeah. someone asked us, do you guys dive into the tiebreakers? I said yes, and it's too bad more conferences wouldn't put that information online, to be honest. Um, I don't know why you would hide it behind password codes anyway. It's, it's good information for people to have. Um, yeah. By the way, you did see Swarthmore. It gives us a quick chance to talk about them. I know you and I had a quick repartee back and forth on our on our chatting system. I was also busy with things going on on Saturday. Uh, you were surprised by how big FNM is, and I said to you, "Yeah, I I was pretty impressed with their size as well." But I don't know if you saw the same thing I did. It felt like they don't know how to necessarily utilize that size. Well, it's mostly freshmen. You look at that roster, and I you know I think there's three seniors this year and like one or two juniors and pretty much everybody else is freshmen. So, you know, I, I imagine they have to play their way in a little bit. Um, you know, I, I think they will be an exciting team coming up. It was a great recruiting class. Yeah, no, they, they, they lose Brandon Federici, which, you know, broke the 2000 point barrier for a centennial men, men's player to ever do that, which in hindsight is pretty spectacular um, thought to have that, conference been around that long no 2,000 point scorers but anyway um they'll lose Brandon but they got some nice pieces in place Glenn always has nice pieces in place uh, I don't see him going anywhere anywhere anytime soon my theory is he wants to go for win 1,000 um yeah I, I that size can is going to cause some problems down the road that is for sure yeah and and you know Glenn is amazing uh, you're watching that game and and they had offensive plans and were throwing out plays that I, I was on the, the Swarthmore side of the bench was <laughs> scratching their heads about, you know, plays they hadn't seen or scouted. And uh, I, I was pretty impressed with, with what he's done with a team that's very young. Yeah. Uh, it, it's uh, This was going to be my, my last word, but I have to apologize that I have kind of been downplaying FNM for most of the year. And uh, they are certainly better than I thought they were. And I'm glad I got to see him in person. Uh, yeah, no, I, I also was interested when I saw him play against McDaniel, FNM, that is, uh, I was pretty impressed with, um, either it was either McDaniel's defense that kept Federici out of the game for, and I don't mean, I mean on the floor, but never touching the ball for minutes at a time, or sometimes FNM just kind of got out of sync and, and forgot to go to him. I don't know which was which. It's sometimes hard while you're broadcasting the game to be able to pay attention to some of those details, um, because you're trying to focus on other things, but I think that's the only oddball thing of it is every once in a while Federici would just kind of disappear from the game. I don't think yeah. intentionally, but it just it happened. You know, and I think they're playing a little different towards the second half of the season, and it's it's helping them. They're playing better that way, and it's just him with the ball a little less often. Um, and you also have, especially in conference play, I mean, SWAT was all over. Uh, if he even looked like he was driving to the basket, they threw a second guy over there. And, of course, they're right up in his face as a shooter. You know, he was having to shoot three or four steps behind the line to get clear shots. So, you know, and, and that's helpful for the team, too, because they have other guys who can score. And if he's taken that much of the defensive pressure, you know, good for them. And, and he seems willing to do whatever it takes for the team to win. And I think that's scoring a little less. Um, but, you know, uh, as he told me after the game, he said all he wants is to win a couple games in the NCAA tournament. He said that's the only thing I don't have in my resume. Um, is a good tourney run, so that's what he's looking for, and I think he's willing to do whatever it takes. I think they're going to need to win the AQ to get in, though, uh, and that's not going to be easy in that conference. It goes through Swarthmore now, and Hopkins is playing some pretty good basketball, as too. Uh, that conference may get two bids if it's the right two teams. F&M might be not part of that equation. I don't know. 
I want to see this week's rankings in the Mid-Atlantic, which has been a little bit head-scratching for me uh, this year to, to, before I make a determination on that. But we'll see. Yeah. All right, sir. Top 25, we got two more before the tournament starts. We got one that comes out tomorrow and uh, another one that comes out right after the uh, brackets are released. Well, not right after, but that evening. Um, I don't know about you, but I, I, I wanted to put my head through a wall again, um, mainly because I, I had a gap there where I didn't want to vote for anybody. After you and I talked about dubious teams and I brought up Emory, I probably moved them up two spots. Um <laughs> Only because I didn't have anywhere else to put them. I didn't have anywhere else to put anybody. I, I got Whitman, Washu, St. John's, Wittenberg at four. Put Platteville five because really I do think they're playing the best in the WIAC and I think they're a darn good team. I put Whitworth six. Okay. I put Worcester seven, though I'm feeling better about that pick. I had eight for York. Not loving that pick. I'd rather have eight in the uh, York in the 10 to 15 range. Emory at, at nine, I'd rather have them in the 10 to 15 to 20 range and the rest the same. It's just, that's the tough part here. And, and I think what, for me, I don't know about you, I've had to come to grips with the idea that there aren't great teams and no longer necessarily does one through 10 mean great. Yeah. I'm, and I don't know. Great is a, that's yeah. a hard term. Cause you got, you know, great. you have a team like Whitworth that, you know, some days they look, great and some days they don't and uh i think it's just there's better competition you know we're used to the last 10 15 years where those top 10 teams just didn't play teams that challenged them Agreed. and now you've got challenging teams uh, you know some of these conferences are going six seven eight teams deep that could win on any given night and that's just gonna mean that some of these teams take more losses uh agreed Absolutely agree with you. Said something similar on the boards. Um, that it just takes us kind of re re-understanding um, what that top spots mean. And, and I completely agree with you. Um, all right. So we have a dubious team. We have a, de uh, a deep dive team and a debate team. Um, the all these categories are actually gotten harder. <laughs> um, oh, yeah. Uh, it's not getting easier as the season goes on. Um, I thought it might because some of these things I think it would jump out at me, but we'll go anyway. Uh, where do you want? Which one do you want to start with, sir? Well, I want to go with the deep dive real quick. I don't know that that's a long conversation. I've been really trying to just pick the best team that doesn't have any votes um, in the top 25 and that we haven't already talked about, <laughs> which is making it more difficult. But I, I think team I didn't vote for this week, but I think I'd probably have them 26, 27 is Christopher Newport. Um, they did not get a single vote last week, but they they won the CAC. Um, number one seed there in the in the conference again, and they're 20 and five. And they seem to have everybody back and healthy, except obviously Marcus Carter, but he hasn't really played all year. So, um, you know, they're they're playing well. They beat York. And uh, it's a team that, that could do some damage. Uh, I like, uh, you know, they don't blow me away, but I see your point. I said at the top of the show, I said that Saturday's game was going to be important for York, and lo and behold, uh, there it was. They now have to go down to Christopher Newport if they want to win the CAC versus holding court at home. My deep dive, I might get a chuckle out of Ryan on this one, but uh, it was brought up on the boards, gave me a chance to you know dive deeper than I had already on them. I've looked at them quite a bit. It's Nebraska Wesleyan. Um, three losses on the season. Really, on you know looking at that, you go, wow, pretty darn good. Um, in the conference, 
Hold on, I'm just calling it up real quick so I don't get this wrong because I've been getting them wrong with all the confusion. They are the number one seed with Loris 2, Univista 3, Simpson 4, Wartburg 5, Central is 6. Uh, so they get the bye. And, you know, looks like, hey, they should be a pretty good team. They should get some votes. They should get some love. I will admit, their out-of-conference schedule is nothing to write home about. It's really not that attractive at all. It doesn't give us any sense of who they are. They have a couple losses in conference that I know are going to give top 25 voters some head-shaking. One was a 91-75 loss to uh, Univista, but the other one is a loss to Simpson. And they've had some other close games where they don't seem to be the same team they were the previous game. But that said, they still have three only three losses on the season, and they're playing what seems to be really good basketball of late. I think they're on a, it's about a seven or eight game winning streak. Uh, if my that's off the top of my head, I don't have it right in front of me. So, five. Hmm. Five. Oh wow, I was way off. Five. <laughs> but the only the only loss in the last ten was an overtime loss at Simpson. That so. was it. Okay, so that's been, that's what I'm thinking. So the Simpson two. loss, and, and for me, that one's. Every time I'm about to vote for them, they have a result, even in a win, that gives me pause. That said, they're a deep-dive team. They have three losses. They are, they do have some talent there. We've known they have played well. It's just the inconsistencies that I've struggled with, but there's one of those teams that I definitely have on, on my radar. Yeah, I mean, they're an incredibly talented team. When I watch them, it's impressive, especially in the offensive end. For me, because of the schedule, um, it's the defense that's throwing me off. You know, they... They're allowing 70, 80 points a game, yeah. which, you know, in conference, they're managing to outscore those teams. You get into the tournament, though, um, it's going to be hard to win <laughs> games if you're letting the other team score that many. Um, and, you know, it's consistency. They're still pretty young, too, so I just like to see them a little bit more battle-tested. Yep. Oh, I, I agree with you. As much as I deep dive, I, don't, I, I agree. Uh, that's re reason for concern as well. All right, um, I assume you want to go uh, dubious next? So I feel like it's a little unfair. I'm running out of dubious teams here, yeah, right? So um, I, I am still not sold on Salem State. They're, okay. they're in the top 25. They're barely in the top 25, so I feel a little bad picking on them. But, uh, you know, it's a team of 22-3. and three. They swept through that MASCAT conference like nobody's business. Um, but... Uh, I, I'm just not sure how people are are voting for this team. Um, you know, three losses are basically to the three good teams they played this year, right? Or, or Williams, MIT, they also have a loss to Endicott. And their best win is, is at Tufts, which is not anything to be ashamed of, but it's not super great this year. Um, the scores aren't, you know, they're not blowing teams out. I, I'm just not quite sure what people are seeing there. Yeah, I'm a voter for them. Um... Not high. I've got them. I'll take that back. <laughs> I'm 16th. Uh, again, it's this gap in my head where I think, no, I don't have them high, but that's because I keep imagining there's a gap there and where I want them. I really would like them at 21, um, but they're at 16. Uh, at this point, it's the fact that uh, they're not, they haven't lost and they haven't been tripped right. up like everybody else has. That's about the one reason I'm voting for them. That said, uh, it's also probably a good reason to vote for some other teams that way, too. So, I'm not necessarily helping their cause there, but I, I can understand that. I can, I can. Well, completely. I mean, I, I look at it as just we just talked about Nebraska Wesleyan, and I feel like Nebraska Wesleyan has a better resume with a similar record, and and it just it's a little head scratching that Salem State's getting the votes and, and Nebraska Wesleyan. Yeah, I think uh, Salem State may have a little bit of a better out of conference schedule. Uh, Williams, certainly they do. Yeah, MIT, yeah. 
And of Tops. course, their conference isn't anywhere near as good as the Iowa conference. Babson. They're the exact reverse, right? They've they've got the out of conference schedule, and their conference isn't very strong. And yeah. Nebraska Wesleyan has a little better conference, and nothing yeah. out. No, exactly. No, that's that's certainly an interesting point. Um, all right, I I wanted to go Middlebury for my dubious, but we talked about them <laughs> last week. And I feel like they're probably going to get slated appropriately. Yeah, in this, yeah exactly this. what I. Well, maybe they're sitting thirteen. I'm I'm not holding my breath. Um, I think I'm going to go with Oshkosh. Okay. I know some people are going to probably go, what are you doing, man? All right, listen, here's, here's my thinking on this. I, I know Oshkosh has got the pieces, and I know the WIAC conference is deep this year. But at some point, if you're that good a team, no matter the conference, you've got to prove that. And I think Plattville has done that. And to some degree, Stevens Point has done that. Though it's a little harder with Stevens points, I'm still trying to wrap my mind around a little bit of that. But Oshkosh, every time you expect them to make a step forward, they take a step back. Lost to Rippon, then lost to Whitewater, who has absolutely come off the rails. They lost twice to Platteville and Eau Claire in back-to-back games. Then they beat Stevens Point and River Falls. You're like, all right, here they come again. And then they lose to Platteville again. Then they go on a three-game winning streak, like, here they come again. Then they lose to Stevens Point. Now, I know they're losing to teams ahead of them, but at some point, you're no longer winning. And this is the same Oshkosh team we saw last year. I know they're good. I know they have pieces. But at some point, and maybe maybe I'm wrong here, but at some point, doesn't that have to come together? Doesn't that have to start resulting in wins and not just close losses every single darn time? Yeah, I I watched enough of those Wyatt games this year that I'm a bit more of a believer than you tend to be. Um, well, I'm I all over like the place. Just, blunt. I feel like they just have a really strong conference this year. Um, you know that that those teams don't have great records and they're all losing to each other. But when I put them up against some of the teams who don't have maybe as strong a conference or or not the schedule. You know, I, if I'm looking head-to-head, you know, I wanted to drop Oshkosh this week. I don't think they should have lost that Stevens Point game. You know, it's not a bad loss, but it's not one you want to see. But I'm looking at some of the teams below them, and I go, head-to-head, which one would I pick? And I'm still picking Oshkosh a lot of the time. You know, it's a strong team, and I think they're just suffering from the fact that that Wyack is just loaded this year. Yeah, I get that, and that's where I'm, I'm stuck a little bit here. But we have them ranked 14th. Now, granted, it doesn't. Excuse me. Take into account uh, this week's stuff, um, which certainly has a factor here, and they'll and they'll be re-ranked. That's, but my my problem is, at some point, again, you've got to have that win over Stevens Point, especially um, if you've lost to him earlier. In the, or you beat him earlier in the season. I'm sorry, beat him earlier in the season, and you beat him by 15. Um, yeah. You got to beat Eau Claire. Yeah, um, that's a rough one. Yeah. <laughs> um, now the Whitewater loss is crazy because it's back on January 3rd when we all thought Whitewater was great. But Whitewater isn't as great, and they lost 83-57. Although Whitewater was playing pretty good then. Right, and that's where, that's where I'm saying it's crazy. That's where it gets a little bit wacky. Yeah. I, I just I, feel like if Oshkosh is good as we're saying they are, and you know, they've been in the conversation the last two years for the same reason. Losses. Yep. You know what I mean? They're not in the conversation because of wins. They're in the conversation because of 
losses. And I feel like, okay, we got to turn the corner at some point. We, we, you've got to change the conversation at some point here. And it can't be losses that we're only talking about. And, and thus, why are you 15th? Yeah, I mean, and, and there's two things. One is uh, that's the luxury of it. we getting to vote in a top 25 poll as opposed to picking teams based on the numbers that the committees are stuck with. True. Um, the, the other thing is, and maybe once we get in the tournament, we'll be proven wrong. To me, I feel right. like um, I'm comparing the other, the other conference that has a lot of teams in the mix is the NESCAC. And I feel like the NESCAC is a little down this mm -hmm. year. And I think the WIAC is a little up. And to me, if you're matching up one versus one, two versus two down that line, I think I'd pick the WIAC almost every time. Nah, I wouldn't go I that far. I just feel but... like they're a little stronger. And, and I know that's opinion because we have no real way to judge. You know, they're, they're not playing a lot of common opponents. They're not playing each other. That's just my perception this year. And, and again, I could be totally wrong once we get to tournament time. No, I, I'm with you. It just feels like those teams are a little stronger. Out, yeah, out no, I, I'm with you. One, I think one, one, two, two, three, three is a little harder because I think the Wyack's a little deeper than. See, here's where I think it is. I think the Wyack is a little bit deeper and a little on the top side, whereas I think the NESCAC is deep as well, but more in the middle. So as you get towards the middle, I think the NESCAC then gets ahead. Does that make any sense? Yeah, maybe. I don't know. I mean, anyway, my, my bigger point is I have too many NESCAC teams on my ballot. I'll freely yeah. admit that. I've been trying to figure that out. Luckily, I get to take one off this week. They're sitting in 23rd. As much as I've been trying to ride the Panthers a goodbye, I, I can't. You can't lose three straight at the end of the season. They're going to do the Wesleyan potentially and, and have two weeks off before getting back into the NCAA tournament. Potentially. I don't know yet. Um. I'm not in love with Wesleyan, but I got them ranked for some darn reason. And, of course, they go and win, which doesn't help. They've now won at least four straight um, when I've been no, wanting was, to get them off my ballot. That was the hardest thing on my ballot this week. I'm just like, I got to move them up. I know. <laughs> I, I have to. I don't, I don't like I, it. Literally, I, I sat there the whole week going, I'm just going to – Wesleyan's an easy one to drop so I can get other teams. Oh, they won. Oh, they won? Oh, oh they won. Crap, they won again. Yeah, so I, I, yeah, I'm with you. I agree. My ballot doesn't necessarily match it. It's, it's anyway. So, so my dubious is Oshkosh here. right now because I just, I'm not buying in. I, 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 we keep talking about them because of loss. We talked about them in the top 25 because of losses last year. We talked about them getting into the tournament because of losses last year. We're talking about them in the top 25 now because of losses. We're talking about them possibly being in the tournament because of losses. I'm tired of having the losses conversation is what I'm trying to get at. And if they're a top 25 team, let's start having win conversations. Yeah, anyway. I, we could transition because uh, the team I was going to ask us to, to, to debate a little bit, and I don't know if we're even going to disagree, but I want to know what's up with Wesley. And we were talking about it a little yeah. bit. Um, I, I'm really not entirely sure what to make of this team. Um, and for me, the difficulty is I, I think they've performed pretty well. Um, they maybe have not had the toughest schedule in the world, but um, the, the thing that gives me a little pause is they don't seem to have – um, the one guy that you can sort of count on at the end. They've got a lot of really good players, and they play well as a team. Uh, but sometimes as you get into these do-or-die games, you kind of need the guy you can count on. Um, and I'm not, I'm not sure where that is. Yeah, and no, I'm, I'm with you. And I keep voting for him, as you just pointed out. Um, you know, they started with a bang. Then they had that three-game or that three-game slide in four, where they lost to Springfield, Williams, Middlebury, Hamilton. It was almost the opposite of, or it's almost exactly what Springfield did 
earlier on when we were waiting for, you know, they got off to a 4-0 start, then lost five straight and, and six out of uh, eight. And we went, oh, jeez. So, you know, they did that. Then they, they've lost two in the last ten. Um, I, the problem is, too, their losses aren't great. Um, right. They're, they're, it's like, they're what, bad. what happened there, <laughs> losses? Um, Springfield, different point of view. Williams, okay, overtime. Lost to Hamilton on the road. Fine. Okay, rough stretch there. I get it. Moving on. They yeah. get back on the horse, beat Amherst, beat Johnson & Wales, beat Connecticut College, lost to Purchase? Beat Farmingdale State, beat Bates, beat Tufts, lost to Trinity? And now they're beat Amherst, Colby, Bowden, Middlebury. Okay. Yeah, I'm I'm with you. Um, nothing blows me away about the Cardinals. They don't have that it player, as you point out. Interestingly enough, they take on Amherst in the uh, semifinals. And Team they've they, beaten twice already this year, right? Right. They beat them 70-66 at their place on January 13th, and they beat them at home 71-57. Maybe with Wesley, and it comes down to matchups. I hate using that as, as a point of view, but they may just make matchup issues with everybody, which doesn't allow for a player to stand out, but certainly allows them to cause issues. Otherwise, I have struggled to put my pulse on Wesley and I've had them all over my top 25 and have wanted to take them out because I'm just not buying in. But as you say, they keep winning. And, and I think there's some real talent there. Like, I think it's a team that can win a bunch of games. Yes. I'm going to be interested to see the, the Amherst game. Um, I know when I talked to Dave Hickson this week, he said that that loss on the sixth for them at Wesleyan um, was the one game his team didn't show up for all year. You know, and he said, I'm not exactly sure why that is, but he said it, it just it wasn't us. And so he said that was the one game they didn't show up for. You know, he he thought that his team competed well, even in the games that they lost, that the Amherst didn't show up for that game. OK. And, you know, they've been playing. I Amherst has been playing well towards the end of the season. So I'd like to see. <laughs> I'm sure they're going to be up for this one. Um, yeah. See how Wesleyan does against kind of this resurgent Amherst team. And, and maybe that'll help us judge. I don't know. Yeah, no, I see what you're saying, because all their losses for Amherst this season, believe it or not, if you go back and look, are all close. Yeah. They're, um, they're close. They aren't – that's their own blown away. Uh, their own, yep. their own, their only blow away. So, yeah, no, that's a fair point, which is why Amherst <laughs> looks a little scary, to be honest with you, and maybe should have been paying attention to them more. I think the L's just started racking up in my head, and I stopped paying attention to the results. Um yeah, I, I can't put my mind on Wesley, and that's a good pick. I'm with you. I can't really defend them. I think they're debatable in the sense of why are we debate? You know, why are they in this conversation? Well, it's just I don't know what to make of them. Right. <laughs> yeah. No. Actually, exactly. And it's not trying to be negative to them. It, it's just it's uh, they're in a lot of the NESCAC this season. And geez, well, they, to be blunt, most of the country has been hard to put a pulse on. Um, well. Let me let me throw something out that I noticed today. So there's three teams that I was looking at. Uh, we talked about Christopher Newport. They finished 20 and five. We're talking about Wesleyan now. They finished 20 and five. And we've also got Marietta sitting over there in the OAC finished 20 and five. Um, wildly different sort of boat <laughs> uh, perspectives from our top 25, right? Wesleyan's been ranked the whole year. Yep. Marietta's kind of been in and out near the bottom, and NCNU hasn't really gotten a look since the beginning of the season. But they have very similar mm -hmm. resumes, you know, some some head scratching losses, some good wins. Um, yeah, I think it just illustrates that. Who knows? <laughs> yeah, I, I agree. And 
I think it also nobody has like that big win, and I think I faulted Marietta for that. And I don't. Well, I guess I gave credit to. That's the other thing too is the resume changes, uh, Ryan, because I gave Wesley in the credit for the win over Middlebury. Now I go back and go. Well, maybe not. You know, Two maybe wins that isn't is what. Two wins over Middlebury. Right. They beat him twice. So. so now I go back and go. Well, maybe that should have been expected. You know what I mean? So, and I think with Marietta, <laughs> see John Fisher. Um, no, you know, who was it? Um, I want to make sure I got that one right. Hold on. Hope St. Thomas. Who yeah, you there thinking it is. Of? Hope and St. Thomas made me think. Oh, geez, never mind. Well, not that. You know, hope's okay. I mean, it's not yeah. turn. You know, it's not turning into a horrible loss. St. Thomas, okay, but it's where was it? The Baldwin Wallace. You lose by one. Okay. Well, Baldwin Wallace has come off their rails, but John Carroll. They lost to well, John Carroll's having a good what? season. Lost to yeah. Wittenberg. Wittenberg's having a really good season. Lost to Carroll a second time. Okay, and then lost to Heidelberg. By the way, Heidelberg's tripped up a number of teams now. Yeah. So it's amazing how that's the other thing I think it, that you struggle with in the top 25 vote is you get these snapshots throughout the season and it's constantly changing. So the snapshot I had of Marietta or Wesleyan or whoever in December, early December, I thought was the same in mid-January when, when in reality maybe I should have re, re-exposed it because it looks different, and now it looks dramatically different than it did. And we're looking at the same stuff. I'm just seeing things now from a different perspective. We're seeing different things in the background and foreground that we didn't catch before. And it makes it hard as a top 25 voter, because as much as I want to destroy the, the ballot and, 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 and put teams in again anew, at the same time, I need to justify why I'm now dropping Wesleyan from my 18 hole despite the fact they're not losing and yeah. not justify it to the person at home and not justify it to the person who's um, reading the poll or questioning me about it, but to justify it to myself. I voted yep. for him for a reason. If that makes any sense. Yeah. Well, and that's, that's why I, I mean, next week I'm going to, I'll go from scratch and build my ballot again, and throw it out because you know, that's what happens. We, we have a perspective on who these teams are in, you know, November, we have another perspective on who they are in mid-January, and that could be totally different by the time we get to the end of the season. And I want to make sure that it's not just me saying, oh, you know, Middle Middlebury was a top-five team, and now they're clearly not. They're not playing that way anyway, and, and I don't want to be ranking their opponents as if they are. So. Well, I took Middlebury from 5 to 23 in one week. You know, yeah. That's something new. I don't think I was that aggressive in the past. Now I'm willing to be that aggressive, but because of losses. I don't know if I'm willing to take Wesleyan as an 18 and just remove him from my poll because all of a sudden, eh, why not? Um, <laughs> it, and by the way, to anybody out there who keeps saying, well, the voters still have the preseason in mind, I'll be blunt. I keep all of my top 25s. I have this pad paper where I, I record the previous week. I write down their results and some notations, and I, I start scribbling on the other thing, and then I get Gordon's printout, and I, I scribble notes on that, and I scribble notes on another pad. I don't remember, I'll be blunt, as much as I hold on to this stuff, I don't remember my preseason bowl. I don't remember who number one was. I, I, I don't remember it by the time we get at I least... I don't remember who number one was. Huh? 
I hope you remember who. Yes, number I'm one. saying I remember who my number one was. <laughs> okay. Um, but I honestly, listen, I'm, I'll, I'll pick a random team. Augustana. Okay, I knew I had him in my top five. Um, but looking at my top twenty-five right now, oh my goodness! If I look at my top twenty-five right now, um, wow! I only I I bet I got around five or six were on my preseason poll. If I went back and looked at it, that's just off the top of my head. Yeah. So you know, some people think, and, and maybe some voters do get stuck in their preseason poll. I don't know. But I can tell you, by the time we get to early January, I have no recollection of my preseason poll anymore. It's easy to go look at. I can easily go find it if I need to. I don't go look for it. I don't keep it in my head is what I'm trying to get at. Um, anyway, just thought I'd share that little note. Hey, I got a question from someone. Maybe you can help answer it. Robert I'll asks, though, I don't understand this first part. I think he's trying to say conference tournament. How much does the tournament? How much of the tournament is taken into consideration for the open bids? Um, I'll just answer that real quick and just say, if you're talking about conference bid or tournaments, they're taken in as equally as a November 15th game. Um, so wins and losses count, but they don't have any added wedge measure. Remember in division three, we don't have this stupid division one last 10 games factor, which seems to get all these great team, all these teams in that shouldn't be in the tournament. Um, he said, what did North central do to shut down Ashton Francis of Wheaton three, uh, one of 13 from three pointers. Um, I know they were discussing that on the boards, and I thought they had a good reason for it. If you want, check out the CCIW boards on d3boards.com. Um, is it possible for the conference to get four bids? Who are your opinion of the top team? Four bids? The no. CCIW? Yeah. No, 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 that's not happening. That's not happening at all. <laughs> um, two bids I feel comfortable with. Yeah. Uh, three bids if the right things fall together. Um, I gotta see next week's rankings before I'm gonna be able to tell you if three bids. I well, I think I think Augustana and Illinois Wesleyan, I mean, are, are probably good. I mean, obviously, yeah, you can't I think they're an, that, but they're in okay uh, like, shape. Know, if one of the other two teams win, I think they get three in. Yeah. Um, but they're I, Wheaton maybe, but I'm not holding my breath. I'm not positive that's going to happen. And then he said, "Who do you, who do I think the top team is right now? I think it's Illinois Wesleyan, um, slightly over Augustana. At least that's how I'm voting for him. Um, I got, but though I got them right next to each other, I have Augustana 15 and Illinois Wesleyan 14. Um, I, I Augustana had the hard start to the CCIW schedule. Illinois Wesleyan had the hard finish to the CCIW schedule, just the way it worked out." I think Illinois Wesleyan's playing better. That said, it's a theme of the year, Ryan. No one's blowing me away. Maybe except for Wash U. Yeah, Wash U's been pretty impressive. Yeah. Um, double checking to see if we got any other questions. Otherwise, we're going to wrap this baby up. Um, most people. I did just... go uh, while you're looking. I did go and look. I have 11 teams from my preseason poll still in the top 25. Oh, really? Yeah, but I that's a pretty low number, I would think. That's less than half. Yeah, no, I agree with you. Let me see if I can figure out and, how many I've and, got. And almost all of them are towards the bottom. I have, like, three <laughs> from the top ten and then, like, 20 through 25. <laughs> nice. Uh, let me see what I got here. Hold on. Let me just take a second. Just take a second. All right, here we go. Because I uh, provide links on my blogs to my polls so I can get to them pretty easily. 
All right, so one, two, three. Wow, four, <laughs> five, six. Jeez, holy cow. Um, hold on. Do, 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 seven. Eight. By the skin of my teeth, eight. Yep, eight. So that's, yeah, I don't have that many. And that's the first time I've looked at it. So there you go. All right, sir, anything you're looking forward to this week? I mean, it's kind of obvious it's conference tournament week, but is there anything you're going to have your eye specifically on? Um, I, I, I'm looking forward to that ASC tournament. I think there's uh, uh, some teams down there that could be pretty good, um, not just Sol Ross, but Letourneau. Um, interested to see what they do down there, especially in the altitude after the long drive. It should be an interesting one. Yeah, I agree with you. Uh, I'm looking forward to a bunch of the races. More importantly, uh, looking forward to Week Three's regional rankings because I want to take a deep dive on them and really see if I can figure some things out, then ask some questions to figure out if we can get on the right page for our selections on Sunday. Because something about the rankings on both the men's and women's side, there's some inconsistencies I can't figure out and I can't put my finger on. Not nothing horrible. I don't want to say no. it that way. I, I think it's just this year's committee, at least on the men's side, that I, I look at a little bit more because of the, the I'm a voter on that side. But I, I don't think they're doing things exactly the way they did last year or the year before. Yeah. I know. Maybe it's having that non-conference strength of schedule. I don't know. But it doesn't seem like they're as predictable. Uh, I feel like we're going to miss more this year than we have in the past. I, I have the exact same feeling. Um, and I don't know why. I don't know if it's something's gone haywire, um, and I don't want to say it that way because I, I don't I don't it's, that's the wrong word. But if something's just off, well, I, and I it might be because there's so many crazy results out there that it's just so hard. And and, and I get the, and and that may very well be it. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, and I I think in the last, especially last year, I mean, you could look numerically with the winning percentage and the strength of schedule and, you know, the .03 versus two wins thing. I mean, they went religiously with that last year. And it feels like that they're letting a couple of the other primary criteria have a little more weight than, than maybe has been which, in the past. Which, by the way, I'm wonderfully fine with. Yeah, yeah, me too. It's just going to make it harder for us to pay. Right. And, and if they're <laughs> coming away from the .03 equal two is no longer .064, which one year we got way too into... 0.09 equals six. You know, remember that year where that was the bread and butter? If we're away well, from that. That's that's also how Oshkosh got in last year. So. To some degree they did, right. Because I, I remember we had that debate that it was it was yep. Keen and Oshkosh, and I was saying, you know, like if we take the numbers the way they say we should, Oshkosh should be in. So. And I'll admit, if they've gone away from that, I'm fine. Because then I I don't. I don't know that they're going away from it. No, I think I, yeah, just, that's the wrong word. They're giving the other primary criteria more equal more status credence. maybe than they have in the past. Yeah, even though they tell you they do it all equal anyway. I agreed. The one thing I said, I don't know if you agree with this. I got to wrap it up though. Um, I am concerned by things I hear, comments made on boards and conversation. 
does it feel to you the same way it does to me that strength of schedule somehow has turned into a strength of team? Like, if my SOS number is high, it means I'm a good team. I don't know where this has gotten crossed up, but I'm getting this, and maybe I'm as guilty of it for doing it occasionally. But someone looks at an SOS and goes, well, you're, you're not that good a team. Your SOS is 495. I, I don't know where this has happened, but somehow I feel like it's happened. I, yeah, I mean, a little bit. Um, but part of that is because of the criteria, right? Like, you know, if, if your yeah. SOS is, you know, what is, what is Whitman sitting at right now? You know, we, they're the number one team in the country. They haven't lost a game, but, you know, if. I'm they're, fine they're, with looking at the SOS as a number to understand what that win-loss means. Yep. And to understand should they be better, should they be worse. I'm fine with that. My concern is we've somehow things have gotten blurred and now it's being used almost like an RPI. And it's not. It's not intended for that purpose. And I feel like people are like, why are you knocking us because um, we got a high SOS? It just means we're a great team. No, no, no. That's where I feel like things have gotten con convoluted. And, and I want to get back into the, okay, I got an SOS number, but you still lost seven games. Or you have a low SOS, but you've also won games. I feel, I don't know, maybe I'm wrong, but I just, I, I had this thought one night and I couldn't, I can't shake it that the SOS has turned into a strength period number, not a, hey, this is what our schedule is. You know, I don't know, just a thought. Yeah, and I, I wonder if that was just because of the way that they were selecting so religiously. Maybe. And strictly with that in the past, I think this, at least in the two rankings we've seen so far, that they're really taking into account that. Uh, results versus regionally ranked opponents a little more to be able to break down those numbers, right? So, yeah. um, you know, your high SOS, you got a decent winning percentage. Let's make sure you're actually beating those good teams on your schedule. Um, yeah, and I think that's where that argument where some have said, hey, the the regional the results versus regionally ranked opponents in the is is already being displayed in the SOS because if you have a tall SOS, you have a lot of results. That's where I disagree with them. Yes, you're going to have a lot of results. But I appreciate the committee going into those results and understanding those results. Okay, you have an SOS of 550, and you're 8-2 and two versus regionally ranked opponents. That's pretty good. Let's look at who you beat. Or, yeah, but you're 2-8. and eight. You're, you're not winning. You know what I'm saying? Well, and also that they break down. When we say results, I think sometimes that gets translated to people as lots of games. Whereas no. what they're looking right. at is, you know, you're, you're four and four versus regionally ranked opponents. All four of your wins are against the eighth team, right. you know, and, and your four losses are against the one team, you know, right. and, and they take that into account. It's, it's what the results are, what they mean, who you're playing in terms of regionally ranked. And I think um, I got in that argument with they, somebody. If they spend a little more time on that um, this year, that'll probably be good for everybody. And I got in that argument with somebody like, hey, but we lost to the t number one team in the country. We lost to the number one team in the region. I said, I got that. Yes. You still lost. It's still going in as a Losses can be good. Losses can be bad. Losses can be neutral. In this case, the loss is good because it's the number one team. We get it. The loss is bad because you also didn't beat them. Um, it's a bad example, maybe. But my point is, yes, they dive in. Who, who'd you, who did you beat? What were they ranked? 
Where did you play it? I mean, they're going to dive into all of that to understand what that result means. And so, yes, if that's starting to take more precedent like it did a few years ago, not precedent, I shouldn't say it that way, but it is is being talked about and not brushed aside as much as it did a few years ago. Remember, one, at one point that was a really good number to use. Then it seemed to be a little convoluted. Now I feel like it's back to that good number. I'm, I'm fine with that. I'm, I'm good with that. Yep. But you're right. I think we're going to miss a few more teams this year as a result of that. Yep. All right, I got to go. Thank you for your time, sir. I appreciate it as always, and uh, good luck with your ballot. I just said vote just before we came on, so I'm good. Oh, well, you enjoy that. I'm going to sign off the show and go do it my darn self. You enjoy right. yourself. <laughs> Have a good holiday tomorrow, and we'll talk to you soon. You too. Bye. Ryan Scott joining us on the City of Salem Skype hotline. So, yeah, I mean, that's one thing to keep in mind, everybody, is, is the criteria. I think the committee, rightly or wrongly, is really diving into the data in a different way this year, and in, in not in a completely different way. I think... Maybe there's some on the committee that's saying, listen, no, 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 we've strayed a little or we've gotten a little conf confused there. I, I don't know. I'm fine with it. Um, by the way, one other thing that came up on Twitter that I think people get confused with, you can't take each regionally ranked spot and make them equal. You cannot do it. Number one in the West region does not equate to number one in the Great Lakes region, which does not equate to number one in the, in, the, in the Northeast region, does not equate to number one. The number ones are not equal, the number twos are not equal, the number threes are not equal, and the number fours. So thus, you can't look at a regional ranking and say, hey, we're third in the regional ranking. That means we're about 24th. You can't do it. That's not how this works. I find that is a flaw with the mentality that I've heard out of the men's lacrosse system. I could be wrong, but this is what I heard a while back with why the men's across didn't want to go out of two regions. It was a theory. The reason they didn't want to is, let's say, Team A and Team B always are in the tournament, very good teams. If for some reason they were an at-large table and Team 3 sits behind them in the rankings currently, all of a sudden Team 3 is in its own region now. And now it's at the table at the same time as Team 1 and Team 2 is not at the table. And for some reason, now that's giving Team 3 an advantage, and they're, they're going to take a bid from Team 1, and more importantly, take a bid from Team 2. No, that's not how this works. If Team 3 is behind Team 1 and Team 2 in the regional rankings currently in their region, and we create more regions, and they now come to the table as a higher-ranked team, they aren't suddenly going to get in between, before Team 1 and Team 2 with all the same data the same. If they are ranked behind them in the, in, at that time, they're staying at the table. If you are third in your region, it doesn't mean there's a third in another region who's equal to you. There could be regions that pick five teams before the number one comes off the table in half the regions. The East might not get a bid off. The Mid-Atlantic may not get a bid off. The Atlantic may not get a bid off before the Central gets four teams off the table. I'm making that up, but that's an idea. So to, 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 to look across the regional rankings and look at your number and then say, well, we're in the 30 to 40 range is not accurate in any way, shape, or form. And I just want to make sure people understand that. I think 
People look at the rankings and equate them as being equal across the board. That's not true. You are fifth in your region based on the data and the teams in your region. You are not 40th in the country based on everybody because we're not ranking the entire country on the same data. We're only ranking the regions. When we get to the table and the at-larges are being picked, your numbers are going to be compared to a one or a two or a three or a whoever they are left in the region. That's your numbers are going to be compared to and you're going to be picked or not picked. I hope that makes sense. We're going to sign off because we're exhausted. It's been a long week. Long week ahead of us as well. Back on the air Thursday, 7 o'clock Eastern time with another long extended show. I hope not this long. We went at least 15 minutes past when I hoped we would. We're going to sign off. Got questions for us? You can always tweet us at D3Hoopsville or hashtag Hoopsville. Email us Hoopsville at, excuse me, D3Hoops.com or join us on Facebook at Facebook.com slash Hoopsville. Also on Instagram at D3Hoopsville where we promote the show as well. Thanks for tuning in. I want to thank all of our guests for appearing on the show as well. As always, we appreciate their time. From Nichols, it was Tom Glenn. From Emory and Henry Women's Basketball, and Crutchfield. Nazareth Men's Basketball, Kevin Broderick. Wisconsin Superior Men, Women's Basketball, uh, Zach Otto Fisher, and from Rose Holman Women's Basketball, John Prevo. Of course, also thanks to Brendan Gulick and Ryan Scott for their time as well. Thanks to all of the sports information directors and their departments for their assistance as well for getting our guests on the air. That's going to do it for us. Thanks for tuning in, everybody. You've been listening to Hoops Hope, presented by D3Hoops.com from the WBCA and ABC Studios. Thanks to D3Hoops.com, the Women's Basketball Coaches Association, National Association of Basketball Coaches in the City of Salem for their support of Hoops Hope. We appreciate their time and efforts as uh, we always do. Back on the air Thursday, 7 o'clock Eastern, and don't forget a week from tonight we'll have our big selection special. Stay with us on Twitter and social media to find out exactly when we're hitting the time. That's going to do it. Thanks for tuning in, everybody. Have a good night, and we'll see you back here on Thursday evening. Good night, everybody.